Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, December the 3rd, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Mr. Say. Greetings. And Mr. Bob Ryan. Hello. We're a, we're a three today, with a power of Aww. three today. Stephanie is uh, in beautiful Malta uh, as a guest of the Malta Comic Con. So, so awesome. Uh, she'll, I'm sure, report back to us uh, once she gets back. I promise you she has not been evicted from the show. Um <laughs> just a, a weird set of circumstances she's, she's always yeah. very busy she yeah. is but three weeks in a row is is a, is a lot yeah yeah there were some circumstances on on the on two of the weeks and then this week obviously she's in another country so she's very popular very popular she's very lovely yes and uh you know she gets yeah but she's in high demand she's in high that's exactly yeah. what i was just gonna say <laughs> um, we're holding it down we are holding it down yeah. so we are coming very very close to our end of the year del- deliberation shows um if you guys haven't listened before, what we do is we basically record the meeting that we would have if we were just picking our winners. We It's fully transparent, and we go about it, and you'll get a couple weeks of shows of that, and then we'll come back and actually award the winners in a big awards show. Um, this week, we're not going to really be going into anything specific, except we're going to be going over the categories and saying to each other, you know, you might want to check out this, you might want to check out that. Um, and also, I have some listener stuff We on the forums and on Facebook and Twitter put out people's recommendations for us. There's stuff that maybe they think we're not going to talk about that we, that we should you mean like last year, like last year. So that <laughs> will enter the, the fray there. Um, so yeah, so that, that's what we're going to be doing. We also have some really, really big news to talk about that just broke mm-hmm. literally probably 30 minutes, 40 minutes before I got home from work today and Bob showed up at my house. So, uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, but, but and also we're going to do our books of the week and, and talk about, um, our, our lightning round books as well. But before we get to any of that, the most important thing that happened in the last week was that an 88-second Star Wars teaser oh, came out. <laughs> I had no idea what you were talking about for a second. By far the most important thing that's happened in a very long time. Um, mm. And we also already heard that the, the first full trailer comes before Age of Ultron in May. Oh, oh. So Disney is really doubling up on their stuff. Uh, but we, 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 I think we talked about this when, when it was first announced when Abrams picked his director. and. Wow. This casting kind of started to come together, and now we actually have pieces of footage of it, and it's very, very brief, obviously. A voiceover, a few images. Bob, what did, did you did you watch it? What do you think yes, of it? Yes, I did, and I find it really amazing that a trailer that features no familiar faces whatsoever, none of the cast mm-hmm. from the old movies, mm-hmm. feels like Star Wars. Yeah. Just absolutely. When the Millennium Falcon does the little mm-hmm. flip over and the logo comes up, it's like, yeah, this is... I'm psyched. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Steve? <laughs> um, I am actually really excited for this movie. I'm I wanna see they they were promising me puppets 
I want to see some puppets. I want to see some like tangible, actual mm-hmm. things. But the droid was really cool. Um, I don't know. It had a. It was very short, mm-hmm. but it was. Uh, I hate to use the word tantalizing. Yes, it was tantalizing, if you will. Um, I like what what Bob said. Like you know, no familiar faces, just new characters, new people. Uh, some of the art that's been going around, like spurred by the by the trailer, has been really cool. Phil Noto did this incredible yeah. uh, wallpaper thing. Uh, it was just gorgeous. And uh, I happen to be of the belief that the new lightsaber is pretty freaking cool. I think it's cool as well. I I think I don't know how practical it is, but I think it's very cool. It's funny to me because yourself in the spleen. seriously because oh, well, if they're a Jedi, that that shouldn't matter. They should be able to okay, you know. Yeah. Well, that was my argument. Yeah, they're flying yeah. around a laser sword, regardless if it has little things on it. But um, my theory about it, and it's so funny how much people theorize over these little things that get shown is a. I think he's new. He's new at being a Jedi. He's a much like the dark version of, let's say, Luke from maybe uh, the first Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it's there to protect his hands from other people hitting them. Training wheels. Let's say training well, wheels. Well, as a real sword, has a guard. It, yeah, it, as a hilt. Yeah. As yeah. a hilt to protect your hands from getting hit. And if there's any appendage in the Star Wars universe that needs to be protected, it's the hands, as we've seen in previous movies. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's there. I do love that shot. I love the way it's, the way it's put together. I love um, just the way the even the way the character moves and stumbles and then right. the so, is it great. So you think that the material that comes out come, comes out from the sides is of a different material than the actual cauterizing beam? Um, maybe possibly, but it, uh, even if it is the same as the cauterizing beam, if a lightsaber hits that beam, it stops it. Instead of going straight through and chopping off your hand, uh, it would get it would get guarded by. I'm not. I'm not that up to date on my uh, my lightsaber physics. Not physics. Study up. I I'm not a Star Wars guy. Mm-hmm. I never have been. I I enjoy them. Um, the second one's my favorite. Mm-hmm. The Empire Strikes Back, but I just I never I never got bit with the fever. Um, but I am really really looking forward to this one. It was uh, oh, so it was really cool. Yeah, I mean the. Really interesting way to start it, that, that that shot of a sandy planet, which may or may not be Tatooine, um, John Boyanga coming up at, at dressed in a Stormtrooper outfit, mm-hmm. and we, we already know that he's playing one of the heroes of the movie, so I don't know what's going on there, Ooh, he's undercover or, or whatever, yeah. Uh, that really cool shot of inside the Stormtrooper kind of dropship, yeah. which is something that you've, we've never seen before, which that's what I liked about it was there was this very familiar Star Wars stuff and then this stuff that we've never really seen before. Mm-hmm. Surprising, even that I think there's as much Stormtrooper as there is in it because I don't think anyone was sure about what the Galactic Empire presence was going to be. Well, where does this take, when does this take place in the timeline? 30, 40 years. It's like almost real time, like after yeah. the end of um, Jedi. Oh, wow. So it's like okay. 30 years, I guess, or whatever. Would right, be. So this is like straight up sequel territory. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. The, I mean, Mark Hamill, Han Solo, Han, Mark, Han Solo Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, they're all in it, reprising their roles. Uh, so we didn't see any of them in this, mm. obviously. Uh, we got to see Daisy Ridley, who's the new female lead in the film, hmm. um, on that giant speeder uh, thing, that, that moment. And also, uh, Oscar Isaac is the pilot in the. Um, he's the other lead in in the X-wing that we saw. That one X-wing shot you see. Okay. Uh, over the water, they're flying over the water. So it's cool. Got to see all the new cast members, all the kind of the new trilogy, the new the new triumvirate of of main leads. None of the older. 
And then of course there's that amazing Millennium Falcon shot at yeah. the end with the music hitting at the exact right time and Well it's really cool that like what we saw was all on planet stuff. There was yeah. no interstellar stuff, so we're gonna mm-hmm. maybe be seeing a lot more environments and, and exploring the planet and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was funny, I I was I think it came out Friday morning. I was off from work as a day for Thanksgiving and um I'm we're sitting there and Karen and I are watching something on TV. And I keep, I know it's coming, right? I know it's coming. So I keep looking at my phone waiting for Twitter to be like, boom, Star Wars. Right. I see you go, boom, Star Wars. And I go, okay, we have to stop watching what we're watching. I need 88 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so I load up YouTube, the YouTube app on the PlayStation 4. And I start it and I watch the entire thing. And Karen watches it with me. And she, she, she looks over at me and I have this like stupid big smile on my face. <laughs> and she goes like, they didn't show anything. And I go, it was enough. Yes. <laughs> As soon as I heard the little droid thing going, I, I yeah. had a big smile on my face. I was on uh, Twitter when they were, they were people expected for mm-hmm. it to drop. They stayed up till three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the outcry and the outrage of people that had to go to work the next morning <laughs> and they'd stayed up and they're just like, why? And I said, well, did they tell you that it was going to happen precisely <laughs> at midnight? I won't know. And I'm like, yeah. but so you just assumed like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, it was great though. It was awesome to watch it, and the voiceover is Andy Circus. He does a great job. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was, there was a big kind of debate all the, that whole day about who it was. People thought it was Benedict Cumberpatch, uh, even though he's not even cast in the movie. Uh, <laughs> people had a lot, of, a lot of theories about it, but and also the theory is that the the Sith that we see is Adam Driver, um, who is especially the villain in the movie. He's from Girls, and he's supposed God. to be in. I don't know anybody's name. Um, he's supposed to. He was supposedly going to be Nightwing. Like, there was, like, that big rumor, like, a oh, few right, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, so he's in Star Wars, though, so good for him. But, yeah, I can't... I, I'm really, really excited to see what comes of it, and a whole nother reason to want to see uh, Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah, talk about, like, doing... doing Doubling down on your screen time. There are people that are going to show up just to watch the Star Wars trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God, that movie's going to make so much money. It's true. It's very, very true. Big. It's going to be a big year for Disney next year. <laughs> It's a big year for them every year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was... I, I've watched that probably like 30 times at this point. You watched it more than the Age of Ultron trailer? Um, They're probably pretty close. Probably a little bit more just because it's, sh- it's shorter. Yeah. Age of Ultron... The Age of Ultron trailer is longer, so I, I it's more time of my life taken mm-hmm. up. But I also... I, I, today I watched them back-to-back, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I also watched the Pan trailer. Yeah, yeah I saw that. I think it looks really good. I didn't know what it was going to be about. I didn't. I didn't. It's Joe Wright, the guy who made Hannah, and he also made okay. Pride and Prejudice and um, Atonement. He's a good, very good director. Uh, it's, it, but it, it's not another kind of Wendy story. It's or it's origin of Peter, like how he became Peter and how he got to Neverland. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hook isn't the main bad guy. It's actually Blackbeard is the main bad guy, played by Hugh Jackman, and Hook is in it. But he's younger, like devilish rogue hook. Oh, um, kind of sort of, not not really a bad guy, you know, sort of a good guy kind of in it, you know, a swashbuckler. Hasn't met the crocodile yet. Hasn't met the crocodile yet. <laughs> um, uh, Grant Hedlund, who was the star of Tron Legacy, is playing Hook. Um, oh, what? Really? Yeah. 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 Interesting. And um, Rooney Mara is playing Tiger Lily. So, it, but it looks really good. I, 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 you know, we've got a lot of Peter Pan stories even just in in everyone's lifetime but in and and I was in, I heard about it and I was like I'm not really who cares and I saw the trailer <laughs> and it definitely made me care so it looked really good 
That was it came on auto played after the Star Wars trailer the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. and so that's the only reason I even watched it, and I'm glad I did. Well, it looks it looks you know really really bombastic and yeah. ridiculous. The sets alone, the sets and the costumes, it'll be worth watching just for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested, and it. it's almost like a feels like Oliver Twist in the beginning. Yeah, uh, definitely. Late, you know? Yes. Yeah, definitely. What's that era of, era of London? You know, it's the yeah. whole mm-hmm. period. There. Whatever happened to the Tron Legacy sequel? I don't know. I, I wish it would come out. I really liked Tron yeah. Legacy a lot. Uh, though this Peter Pan movie, this Pan movie will not be nearly be as ridiculous as the live um, Peter Pan they're doing with Christopher Walken as Hook. Yeah. yeah Is that on this weekend? Really? I think it might be. Yeah. Allison Williams, also from Girls, is playing Peter. So they're so they're performing it live on stage and they're gonna like broadcast it yeah it's like the old one the mary yes. martin one yeah yeah wow which is the, the, which is the peter pan i yeah. grew up yeah. on it was on television every year for yeah. years and years i kind of want to watch that if he's gonna be hook there, there there's a picture it just it's ridiculous <laughs> I just want to hear him say the lines <laughs> yeah yeah i'm assuming it's the musical version right i would assume if it's the same, yeah. i just assume it's the same thing as the mary martin version so we'll see but yeah so Good, good weekend trailers. Um, and we have some more movie stuff, obviously, to talk about um, in a little bit. But let's put the brakes on that and let's move on to talking about some comic books. It was, a, for once, actually, a pretty light week um, as far as, uh, my, at least my reading goes. Me too. Yeah, same here. Um, a lot of, I think, we all agree, really solid books came out, but not a lot that was we thought spectacular. But we did pick out, obviously, the books that we thought were the best. Um, Bob's lighting around is not going to have you know, 45 books in it this week. I mean, there's a, there do you have a big stack there, but you're not talking about all those books. Not individually. No. You're, you're padding the numbers on that one, Bob. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. All right. So let's get this back down to three minutes. I had it set for 30 cause I was baking the other day. If Bob um, gets corrupted. Oh yeah. How did your, your bake off go for Thanksgiving? Oh, well, no one picked a winner obviously. Um, but the cupcakes came out great. They're, they were really good. I had a slight um, panic with the frosting because I made like the caramel mixture and I put it in the mixing bowl and we were mixing it. I was mixing it and I was adding the ingredients was that after, which is mainly a shit ton of confectioner sugar. Oh, no, confectioner sugar. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and as I was adding it, the mixing bowl was all the moisture was getting stuck to the sides and the middle became like this. this powdery yeah. mess and i started like freaking out because i thought it was done i was about to like basically leave for my parents house <laughs> and thankfully karen was like just add a little more of like the the evaporated milk to it and we did that and then as we did that it loosened it all up and it, and it worked um and then they, they came out great so i was i was very happy with them absolutely uh all right and was it Lindsay's teepee teepee they were good you know it was weird the consistency of like the ice cream cone and the cake like i i I like wanted something. I wanted a more ice. I wanted icing or something. There was like cho- uh-huh. there was like melted chocolate and stuff on it. And it was they were very good. But I, I was looking for something else to kind of mix up the the texture a little bit. But hmm. uh, they were still very good. Uh, all right, so here we go. Lightning round time. Bob, go. Well, we're going to start with Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number two, which is certainly a better mix than the first issue, as we're treated to a really fun action sequence with a whole bunch of roller skating supervillains. Taking on the mighty Avengers and frankly getting their butts kicked by Monica Rambo and Blue Marvel and everybody else. Uh, this is balanced though by a whole bunch of Axis stuff with Luke Cage acting like a jerk and it's all about money and selling off the mighty Avengers trademark. And it's just 
Look at I. Someone's got to pay for those diapers. Man. That's for, there's a lot of them in the babies here. I'm hoping for more from this. I'll keep going. Uh, as Bobby dropped off it a little bit. I'm waiting for this to end and it'll get better. I'm hoping. <laughs> Speaking of better, Catwoman 36, uh, Jean Via Valentine, Gary Brown doing a nice job. It's a marked improvement over the other version of Catwoman that we've seen. That's mm-hmm. uh, a clever kind of mob movie script but it's just sort of ordinary in that way i've seen a lot of these i'd like to see some more catwoman stuff there is a catwoman in it but it isn't selena <gasps> it is weird that since they did the changeover that there isn't very much catwoman in catwoman yeah maybe we'll build up to that mm-hmm. invaders number 12 still james robinson now with barry kitson mark laming and p craig russell because what we have here is a tale from the journal of the world war one superhero Union Jack, what am I bothering for? It's right here. Um, a Martian spacecraft has landed in London, and Joseph Chapman, the present-day Union Jack, along with his super companions, the Mighty Destroyer and Spitfire, aim to stop the alien invasion. They'll have to confront the past to face the future as Lord James Falworth, both the Union Jack of days past and Spitfire Lady Jacqueline Falworth, Crichton's father, <gasps> recounts the Martian invasion of 1917. Meanwhile, in a present-day mental hospital, a mysterious redhead man rambles on about Martians. We have his sort of double flashbacks to a very H.G. Wellsian invasion with tripods and really nasty Martians, World War One flying aces and bat rocks, grandfather, and <laughs> just a great fun issue. And the redheaded stranger talking about it's Killraven from the old War of the Worlds. And Pete Craig Russell is actually doing the inks on some of these, who, when he did this book back in the 70s, is just absolutely gorgeous, despite the crappy paper it's on. <laughs> and it's just a great series. It's an alternate timeline where the Martians have won the invasion of 1901, control the Earth, post-apocalyptic warriors, gladiators, all sorts of cool stuff. Amazing Adventures is in a 2005 Essentials volume. It's the entire, thir- uh, like, 21 issues of this, plus some extra stuff. Good to go. All right, Pop. Good job. Wow. Uh, the thing about Catwoman to me is, uh, I feel like what they might be doing is, and it's a lot of it's dictated by Batman Eternal, obviously. But the previous run is so reviled or, or, or so disliked yeah. by by a lot of people that I feel like, in some ways, you've got to burn the burn the forest down and then like replant and regrow. So take her out of the suit for a little while, get all of those mm-hmm. kind of nasty mm-hmm. stigmas away, and then after you've done that, put her back in the suit, and then you can go from there and tell more stories like that. Right. But now, That would make me want to trade weight, but because it's DC, you can't. Because right, by yeah. the time they get to an actual trade paperback, it'll be 2018. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very true. And then the cat will have already been out of the bag. Yeah. Nicely done. I knew you'd like that. <laughs> Played to his audience. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Jokes. All right. Jokes and jokes. Steve, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Lightning round, go. All right. So uh, I picked up Arkham Matter number two, and uh, this is by Jerry Dugan with art by Sean Crystal. And uh, it's cool. I mean, all these new Bat books are coming out, and we're kind of feeling them out, seeing what's up. And uh, this one actually features Bruce as the Matches Malone character. Uh, as a prisoner inside of the new Arkham Manor. And lo and behold, there has been a murder, most foul. And it's up to Matches to kind of make his way around the manor and learn the new lay of the land and uh, see what's up. It's cool. I mean, I it's not my favorite of the new Bat books, but it's definitely uh, keeping my interest enough to, to keep reading it. And uh, I'm hoping for some like really weird stuff to go on. Mm-hmm. But I think there's another book 
that we just got for that that I'll talk about later. Uh, Sheltered number 13 came out this past week. This is uh, Ed Brisbane, uh, Brisson and Johnny Christmas. I have loved this series all year, and every single issue is like, it's like watching a television show, and they, you know, they ramp it up right at the end, and they give you that cliffhanger, and you're just standing there with your jaw, you know, slack, and just like, oh! Every single issue has been like that for me, and this one is no different. Um, now the cops are involved. The kids have got to defend uh, their compound. And I don't know if this book is ending soon or if there's another arc after this, but this feels like real final Last War stuff going on, and um, I just have no idea how it's going to end, and I absolutely love it. And the last book that I got for this is the Madman 3D special from uh, Mike and Laura Allred, along with... Christian LeBlanc on flat. This comic is 80 pages and it's entirely in 3D, complete with red and blue 3D glasses that will make you nauseous if you wear them for too long. Uh, I fully admit that I only made it about halfway through the book before this podcast, but what I read was wonderful. It is Madman basically trapped in purgatory trying to reclaim his body by way of a uh, cloned machine of himself and his friends are trying to bring him out. Um, More than half the book is art. And with the 3D glasses, every single page pops out at you. The depth of it is fantastic. It's 10 bucks, but if you're a fan of the character, it is definitely worth uh, picking up to add to your collection. Awesome. And awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, I got 30 seconds yeah, left. Yeah, yeah. Madman, it's, you know, it's much more, um, one of the highlights of it is all the different styles of artwork that you find. Like he's going through his his consciousness, so he's being represented in all these different ways. So you have like Escher style Madman, you have Looney Tunes, Popeye, Peanuts, you know, Brendan Stimpy, like all these different variations and versions of him and this and this character that's trying to bring him through this purgatory. And uh, like I said, you might have a little bit of a headache after you read it, but the story is pretty damn cool and I can't wait to finish it. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I saw a yep. Flash Gordon looking page. I saw a Wally Wood page. Yeah, there's uh, there's through. Archie, there's Batman, there's Superman, like all of those iconic styles um are somewhere. There's even like two pages where it's just a bunch of tiny panels mm-hmm. and every last one of them is different. It's 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 awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Uh I haven't read Archimander number two yet. I have it. But Matches Malone is like one of my favorite things when it happens in yeah. Batman comics. Ooh. When he when he puts on like that gangster like disguise or whatever, I think it's awesome. Uh, there's a couple of really good Batman Inc. issues that yeah. have him doing that, which is really really cool. Yeah, I was that was one of the things that drew me to it because mm-hmm. I've only read so much with the Matches Malone character. Mm-hmm. But like you, every any time that you know they whip out the mustache and mm-hmm. the, and the wig, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh man. <laughs> You know, like Bruce is going deep. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't know. I just I like like I said, it's not it's not shooting me over the moon, but I enjoy the concept of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's a there's been new life breathed into the Batman universe. Not that it was ever bad, but I just feel like there's almost like a little bit of a bat revival going on, and I think it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, here I go. All right, and start. All right, first up, Mimetic number two. This is uh, James Tinian the fourth and Eric Donovan. I talked a little about the first issue as well. This series, this miniseries, is just batshit insane. Um, the the premise is this this sloth meme starts going around, and it makes people feel euphoria, and then they turn into zombies twenty four hours after they've seen it, and they just want to kill and murder. And there's very few people um, who escape the effect who haven't seen it there's a, a, a 
pretty much blind former head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff that hasn't seen it. There's a guy who's colorblind. He can't really see it because he's just getting the full effect. And they're trying to survive in this world. And it's part really ridiculous and part uh, really serious. There's almost like a a video game story type element to it and and that level of, um, you know, bizarre Hmm. stuff that's going on. But it's really cool. I, I really, really like it. I can't wait to see how it ends. They're all big, oversized issues, and they've been great so far. Different stuff from Tinian because it's, it's much looser. It sounds like a sequel to Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, it, is, it does have that kind of feeling to it. Um, Superior Iron Man number two. I mentioned this book a few weeks ago when the first issue came out. Uh, this issue takes place right afterwards and features heavily uh, a, a Daredevil guest star, and Tony doing some dastardly stuff mm-hmm. and the interactions between he who's acting very strangely and Daredevil who's acting completely normally are, are very intriguing. And what what Matt is trying to do and Matt trying to outsmart Tony Stark, you know, you in his own book, Matt is usually the smartest one in the room, mm-hmm. but in this case he is absolutely not even close to the smartest one in the room mm-hmm. when it comes to dealing with Tony. And so what Tony does with him is is crazy and the ending is i don't know where it's going to go from here yeah i'm wondering if that's going to ring out into other books oh yeah i don't know about that it's it 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 has the potential to ring out other books but i i really like i think the art is great and it's it's a lot of fun and i feel like tom taylor does really really well with kind of these tweaked worlds yeah you know i think that's where that's where he does, does his best work and he's doing great work there and uh the last book i want to talk about is actually a book from a few weeks ago i i only read this week uh, called Intersect uh, by Ray Fox. It's written and illustrated by him. And it oh, wow. is gorgeous to look at and confusing as all hell. Um, <laughs> I didn't really begin to understand what was happening until I had gotten to the end and there was enough sort of context clues happening that I could make sense of where, where we started. Yeah. There's a lot of shifting identity and personality going on. The, the best I can figure is that there's a person and they have two personalities and they can shift between them at, at any moment. And so if one gets hurt, they can shift to the other one and save themselves. Um, and they're, I think a secret agent or something. And they're trying to help somebody escape something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's almost at these moments. I don't know if you've ever seen me, myself and Irene, but yeah, I've seen it. You know, there's a moment where she's kind of talking to one and wants the other one or vice versa. The person that this double personality person is helping does that you know they're they're like oh you can't, you can't leave me this other one's a jerk that kind of thing so it's got a cool idea and it's very heady but it's confusing as all hell and the, it's not helped by the artwork the artwork is b- beautiful but it's very abstract and very crazy in itself so the mix of the story being insane and the art being insane makes it very difficult to follow what's happening yeah <laughs> i i had it in my hands in the shop and I, Rob was saying, you know, you should get this, you should get this. And I just, I had so many books on my pile that I was in the baby pile. Mm. And I said, you know, oh, let me just, you know, open it up and maybe read the first two pages or something. And I read the first two pages and I went, yeah, okay. No, yeah. this is, this, this feels like a, like a trade uh, for me. I, that's something that when I read it, I would like to read it as a whole. Yes. And not in part. I, I, that's something I would get easily lost on. Yes. Real quick. Very easy to get lost. Yeah. Very, very easy. All right, so that's the... What are we going to... No. Are you going to say something? Do you want me to? I thought you were going to say something and I cut you off. Sorry. (laughs) So, uh, moving on to our books of the week. So, both of mine are shared between the two of you. So, (laughs) I'll just go off on when when you get to that book. But but 
Um, Bob, what's your books of the week? Well, I'm going to start with New Avengers 27 as oh. opposed to throwing it into the old lightning round. We're going to do this over here. It's Jonathan Hickman and I'm going to say this fellow's name is Simon Kudransky, even though it's spelled S-Z-Y-M-O-N. You're probably right. Maybe it's Simon, but it's close hmm. one way or the other. Uh, there are a couple of really nice surprises in here as the storyline continues to percolate, and it's great to see Dr. Doom involved, which we haven't seen too much of in all this sort of stuff. Uh, I guess we're getting to the end game. We're finally to that point because, you know, as we all know, Steve, in five months, time runs out. Ooh, <laughs> I, I was sort of expecting Skeletor, but that's okay. Mm, I can see, do this that is, too. This is much better. Uh, no, seriously, I'll though. I'll do it for signing off at the end. <laughs> okay. What's my, been my real problem is why I've made, I've made light of this all along, but I, I mean, it is still a really well-written book. There's been great art by a cast of you know, amazing people over all these months. There's so many books come out all the time, four or five of them, sometimes six. What seems to have happened for me with this whole storyline as opposed to the similarly involved Fantastic Four that ran for three years, because of so many characters and all the shifting of focus around, I've not really found anyone to embrace for a long stretch of time through this story. When we had great Namer T'Challa stuff, hmm. then they're on the sideline for months. He came, we went back to Prince Namer a little bit ago as, as a chief bad guy. He's making himself terrible again, and they're, they're taking out worlds galore with the Black Swan and Thanos, and he's gone again. We get Doctor Strange and that great annual. That was Frank Barbieri, though. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then he's gone. <laughs> but he, you know, he could be back. I'm sure he will be. And I just, I'm getting the feeling this is almost more of an academic exercise than the epic I really wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. I was, back when this was postulated, when it was all switching around, Wow, Jonathan Hickman on The Avengers, this is going to be great. He's got two books a month again. There'll be great stories. And it, it's just there. There are great moments in every issue, and that's what's really frustrating. If it was all just garbage, I would say, I forget it. I'll just drop this. But I'm, I'm waiting. It's there, and there's going to be a great moment as we get to this, and maybe <laughs> I'll reread it and feel differently. I'm just let down by the whole thing. You guys still up you, on this, or are we? Am I? I was going to say, yeah. I uh, Black Friday came and went, and the one place that I, I did go is I went to a comic book store. And uh, I picked up the Wicked and the Divine uh, trade, which had all of the covers in the back, and it's gorgeous. And I did manage to grab uh, what's volume four of New Avengers. So I now have 18 to 23, and if that's 27, I could grab the other ones mm -hmm. from the store. I'll be catching up really soon. I've heard like I've heard very mixed things. I know five people that are super into this book and super excited about it. And then I have you, that you, you enjoy it. But it seems that with each issue, your your patience, your you know time is time is running is right out on out your patience. Yeah, that's right, very good. Um, and I trust I, I I trust all of you. So I'm I'm really like I had to just read it for myself. That's why I bought it. Yeah, I gave up um, a few months ago. Now I don't I don't even remember how many months ago it was. I had started to wane on Avengers proper, and I gave that up, and mm -hmm. then. I was still sticking with new Avengers and eventually he gave that up as well. And part of it's because it comes out so often, but it's also, I, when I was reading the lead up, the Hickman stuff, the year or so it was that led up to infinity or six months, whatever mm -hmm. it ended up being, I felt like I was 
you know, obviously in the in the in a microscopic section of his larger story, but I felt like that section was moving towards something and it was going to culminate in something. And we got through Infinity and then when we got back on that train, I, I felt still felt like a microscopic part of his of his story plan, but I could not see anymore where we were headed. Mm-hmm. And that's tough to do when you're getting so many issues a, a, a month. And the thing I loved about New Avengers, it wore out its welcome to me at a certain point. The the destroying of the world and, and the Illuminati stuff, which I loved when it first started, it just kept going. Mm-hmm. Even after the Infinity was over, it kept going. And every issue seemed to be the same exact thing. Yeah. Can we do this? Should we do this? Must we do this? Oh, we had this discussion. Right. Yeah, last issue, guys. Uh, move on. Mm-hmm. And... And... The fact that it, it seemingly, I, I know it seemingly moved on since then. There has been a lot of crazy stuff that's happened, and I missed all of that stuff. I missed all of the multiple dimension Avengers mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. I missed all of it. But, and that sounds interesting to me, but I, now, we, now obviously we know what the end game is for this, and that's Secret Wars, right? But not knowing that, I didn't know where we were going. It felt like they were all kind of in a holding pattern. And just like you said, with the Avengers, I always felt, like I was I was getting snippets of characters and not full portraits of characters. And obviously it's an ensemble book, but the way that Hickman kind of chose to deliver a lot of the Avengers books was to highlight a character in one issue, and then they kind of disappeared after that for a mm-hmm. while. You know, we spent all that time in his first kind of set of books setting up those lesser-known Hyperion and... Nightmask. Yeah. Nightmask and all those people... And that was it was a good thing to do because when you got through Infinity and those moments happened, you're like, wow, that meant something because I know these people and I know what's going on with them. But because you move away from them, in the big books, you're dealing with just Tony and Steve and everybody doing their own thing. But I haven't spent much time with Tony or Steve doing their own thing with Jonathan Hickman, so I don't have a lot of connection to his version of those yeah. characters. They're just kind of symbols to me. And maybe, that, maybe that's his play. Maybe he wants to focus more. And other stuff, but I always felt like, like you said, about the amount of characters made it very difficult to embrace it the way you can embrace mm. his Fantastic Four stuff. And like you said, the frustrating thing is like I never read that an issue and was like that was bad. I never yeah. said that. I just got to the point where like I just felt like I was reading the same thing. And there are these such huge moments like like I I still think about that line in New Avengers that T'Challa when he's, I'm remembering who I used to be or whatever that, I can't remember the exact line now. And it was so affecting. And then it got lost because they just kept repeating it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And so that's initially why I, eventually why I dropped the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was something to the effect of like, this is the moment where you all changed. It something was something like, like he says something I'm, ch- I'm remembering who As I was. To hit, yeah, yeah. 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 Right before he hits the button. Right. Um, now, what's really sad is, this is not my feeling when we were reading the, AVX or AV Drek or whatever it was I was calling it back then, where it was, oh, okay, there's a panel or two of a good issue here. Or the, the, the one issue with Spidey that was so great, there was a couple of Luke Cage moments, uh, that one when they came out of the ship and so on and so forth, and it was month after month of this is crap. But we have to buy it and finish it, but it's crap. Mm-hmm. This is not crap, but it's not what I want either. It's, it's sort of like a, maybe this is, using a movie analogy is wrong, but what the heck, it's like a minor Hitchcock movie. It's still really yeah. well put together, but it's right. just. Eh, it's. I mean, here's my here's my thing. The Avengers stuff it's gigantic, right? It's so many characters. There's so much going on. It's bouncing from one book to another. They're biweekly, 
both, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the the amount of Avengers that you're getting is really kind of overwhelming, especially with having to keep tabs on where everybody is and what they're doing. Um, but do you think it'll read better once it's all done and once it's collected? Like, you're going to sit down and you're going to read Hickman's Avengers and it's going to be this, like, cohesive, ridiculous web of, of a great Avenger story. I hope so. I also hope, though, as Bobby said, you know, we hit that midpoint that we thought was the, of the story with Infinity. Yeah. Will we get to Secret Wars and that's another midpoint? Mm-hmm. That yeah. there'll be more and more incursions to get rid of Secret Wars and the whole thing spirals out past that. When's he leaving? Do we know? We don't know for sure. I'm, I think it's going to be after Secret Wars. I think I think that closes down, kind of put... I, I think what Secret Wars ended up doing is end up putting all those toys back in the toy box, kind of rejiggering and resetting all of this time travel, you know, interdimensional travel, mm-hmm. stuff that scarred the Marvel Universe, and then resetting it, kind of whoever we're going to take over. I think part of the problem, too, is that we had Infinity that he wrote but we've had several events since Infinity that he didn't write. And for whatever reason, the Avengers always feels to me like that should be like the spine of the Marvel mm-hmm. event, right? Because it's mm-hmm. it is the, the the biggest book. It's the book that is is the most the team that deals with the most world changing circumstances right. in e- each and every day. Connected to more solo books than any other. Exactly. So their characters are there's impact everywhere. Right. So when you're reading Infinity, you're getting this great kind of handshake between the, the, the two things. And then when you're reading Age of Ultron or you're reading um Axis or you're reading yeah. Original Sin it's not the same thing, right? And, and so I feel like those books, even though they're not Avengers books, I think also add to the feeling of overwhelming uh, mm. of the amount of Avengers stuff. Right. Because original sin, the Avengers are still the center basically of, of that story in some way or another. Same thing with age of Ultron, obviously, although it's in this kind of future thing that's happening. Yeah. So it, I feel like it just gets very overwhelming with their main stuff. It's like the Batman stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I mean, you got to think writing Avengers has to be this ridiculous task, right? Like you want to talk about overwhelming having to write all of that stuff, all that stuff that changes in their own books and in their own lines. And like, they go off and they guest spot in these, you know, like the daredevil thing Mm. is the daredevil thing going to bring out to, you know, the mainline book. We don't know what I'm saying is, you know, it is an overwhelming task to try and write, especially as big as it is Mm -hmm. that, you know, to have faith in the writer that he is working towards something. Cause that's what we've always said about Hickman, mm-hmm. right? Is that, you know, you get all these pieces and then in the end you get this one giant thing. I don't know. I'm just, I'm a huge fan of his work. I really hope that it all pans out in the end. I feel like going week to week with it is almost the wrong way to read it. See, the thing is though, for me, Fantastic Four read wonderfully month to month. Yeah. And read I don't want to say better, read differently together because before we had him on the show, I read all 30 issues right. in an afternoon and I got a different experience equally as good yeah. as reading it to see what was going to happen. Now I'm just pointing, get me out of here already. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on a subway train and I missed the stop I wanted. I hear and you. And I just keep going. And again, it is good. I want, I want great from Jonathan Hickman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm not feeling great right now. I may feel great when we get to Secret Wars. My problem is you don't talk about the time travel scarring everything. Wasn't Bendis's X-Men thing going to stop all that like a year yeah, ago? Yeah, I know. And we, I think that got overwritten yeah. by this. And I'm not even sure that 
I, all, let's go for speculation. Secret Wars is going to reboot the Marvel Universe. Mm. In some quarters, we're saying that. I don't, I don't mind all these time travel-y things. I don't mind there being 14 alternate futures. Well, we don't visit them all the time. Right. You know, I, I, think it, I think it more becomes less about not about not liking time travel. I think it's about, and I think this, it's the same thing with why DC did it as well. It just goes, okay, we, we have gotten to the point where we're starting to eat our own tail. We don't even remember what we've said here, mm-hmm. what we've done there. And, so let, and rather than spend possibly hours digging through continuity to fi- try to figure out what things work and what things don't. Let's just, let's just pare it down as much as we possibly can. And I don't think they'll reboot it, but I think they'll kind of flash out a lot of the events. The barnacles and whatever. Yeah, that yeah. might have happened. And you're seeing it right now with DC, right? In which, they, which what they always do, what you've always said, is that they go like, okay, it's all gone. And then they slowly start to layer it back on and on and on and on until they get saying, okay, it's all gone again because yeah. it's got too much. So we'll see what happens with all this stuff. I want to read it when it's all done, mm-hmm. but I was not loving reading it in the moment to moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been reading Avengers, but I dropped off of New Avengers a while ago just because it got to be too much. Mm-hmm. And like Bob had said, and like you'd said, certain characters that I really enjoyed had gone away for so long that by the time that they came back, I was already off the book for three issues. <laughs> right. And then, then what do you do? Yeah. And it's it's like the opposite you know, I talked a little bit about Justice League and and how I think that now it's consistently one of the most solid books on yeah, the book's shelf, awesome. month to month. And I was talking to uh, Justin Townsend um, the other uh, Thanksgiving Eve. We were talking about books, and he said to him, Justice League is now just like Spider Man. It's like every month, I know I'm going to like it. Some months, it'll be amazing. And the difference is, though, like I'll never go back and read all the Justice League stuff again. I'm not going to. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't carry that sort of depth to me. Whereas this, maybe when it's done, I there I read it and I'm like, and it might be one of the things that you go back to over and over again because it's got so much going on. It did so much depth to it. Right. And, and so sometimes, and we talked about this before. I think what works month to month really, really well doesn't always work collected together into in one big thing. Not that I don't think if you read Justice League now collected, it wouldn't be good. But I don't have the desire to dig into it because I don't know if there's as many layers as there would be in a Hickman book. So it's like a weird balancing act. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, I have like, uh, it's almost like the reading hierarchy after you got your pile for the week, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you have to suss out what you're going to read. How much time do I have? What am I in the mood for? You know, I've been, not that I've been, I mean, I, I pick up my usual haul, but I've been doing a lot of like bite size reading where I just like something like the, um, the amazing world of gumball from kaboom. Like I know for a fact that when I pick that up, it's going to be like sitting down for six minutes to watch like an episode of the show and I can get a couple of laughs and then I can go about my day, mm-hmm. you know, with stuff like Avengers, just it's and other stories too. It just, it strikes me as something that I want to have all five or all six so that I could read it in a chunk and I might actually have time to be in that world and absorb what I'm seeing instead of bouncing around from universe to universe and reality to reality every other week then then you don't even know where you started. Right, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like a fine meal. You want a palate cleanser between courses, a little bit of yeah. sorbet or something absolutely. in between. <laughs> I think if, like, if you were just reading New Avengers and Avengers and those were the only books you were picking up, it might have a completely different feel for it. But mm-hmm. because of the copious amount of stuff that we take in every week, that the the grandness of it might get like a little swept under the carpet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some people who just read Avengers, so... Yeah. yeah. And that gives them 14 books a month. Exactly. <laughs> so, there you go. 
Speaking, uh, of, speaking of, of dense books, uh, okay, my book book of the week is Odyssey Number no. One by Matt Fraction and Christian Ward, with flatting. Can someone explain what flatting is to me? By D. Cuniff and lettering by Chris Eliopoulos. I will look it up. I don't know. I don't know. I this is the first time I've seen this credit here on a book. And jumping right in here, it, look, it's a set in space gender switch version of the odyssey and that's sort of the shorthand way of describing this series but that really doesn't do much justice to what this is because this book attempts and succeeds at something really amazing just as in homer's original this is epic and the lyricism of the words is just matched by the artwork which is imaginative layouts crazy colors panel layouts that create the movement within the page itself it is just stunning to look at. It is postery, but action-filled. It is, oh, we're hearing what flatting is. <laughs> uh, give me one more second. Let, oh, yeah, let okay. it load. I thought I had all of it, but I don't. It's coming, though. Okay. Uh, Christian Wars are, it'll go from absolutely still and silent into bombastic, you know, without losing a gear somehow. Yeah, that book's got some serious art. Yeah, it is something I... I I was looking forward to, but then it started, I had kind of trepidations. How do you do, we all sort of know the Odyssey and how do you make this work? And yet it really does. The switches do not seem, oh, I'm just going to do this to change the characters man to, man to woman. It is not that. It works dramatically. There are interactions. It's the usual, gods want to cause trouble. We have Captain, oh, flatting. <laughs> It, the page isn't loading, but there's enough of it here. It says, A flatter is a coloring specialist within the comic book industry that prepares the inked or sketched comic book pages for dot, dot, dot. I'm going to say it's printing. Okay. <laughs> so now I know. So he's sort of coloring, mm -hmm. but in a much different sort of way in this present day. Okay. So uh, the plot here, it is, it is the Odyssey. But in this case, it's Captain Odysseus. And she, after the Trojan War, she's looking to get home, which is not going to go as easily as she would think, because just as Odysseus back in the old days, the gods like causing trouble for humans and each other, and they're just rotten people, hmm. rotten gods. Hmm. So things start to go wrong. Again, it is in space. There is treachery and double-cross and cowardice and heroism. There's love and action and all sorts of human emotions all in play here. And on top of it, we get to understand the captain's longing to get home to her son, to her spouse. And we've yet to hear about the suitors of Penelope and what's actually happening happening back home. And we could find out, and I just want to warn everyone, the book opens with about a 16-page fold-out. <laughs> yeah, it's really big. It is really big, and it is, it's an amazing piece of art that sets into your head a lot of what the imagery of the book itself will be like. And there's a Hickman X map yeah. of all the various worlds, an entire timeline and chart of what you need to know to read it. I am going to warn everybody ahead of time, do not bother with this first. You'll become so intimidated you don't even want to bother looking at the thing, <laughs> and you frankly don't need it to enjoy the story. Dive in, read it. If you've been a comic book reader for any length of time, you might have to go back a page or two because the art goes into odd places and you have to swing back around again to catch on the second pass. Read the book, 
use the map as a guideline to something you didn't get. Don't try to study this as if you're back in school reading the Odyssey mm -hmm. and you're looking at the cliff notes. Read the book, enjoy it. It is just a to me it's it's just a brilliant work and if there was it was only one issue before we started debating this, if it was more than one rather, I'd probably find a way to sneak it in somewhere. <laughs> there's only one issue. Yeah. So I can't really throw that say it's like best new series because the next mm -hmm. one could Oh, I think stink. it'll it'll manage to show up in at least one category. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The one thing it's definitely made me want to do is go back and read The Odyssey, which I haven't read since like nineteen seventy one. Wow. So Odyssey with very interesting cover letters on the cover and a fractal thing, fractal cover and mm -hmm. just amazing art. And I thought it was a pretty fascinating story too. Yeah. Nope. I mean, it's one of my books of the week. Um, and Steve, I know you wanted to say something about the the map though before you go. I'll say, go. No, 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 no I, go. I got to <laughs> No, say what you're going to say. Okay. I did exactly what you don't want our readers to do is I read the big book. Oh, really? Thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sat down um, in my bed. Should I just give my piece? Yeah, on the absolutely, okay. yeah. Okay. So I sat down in my bed. My cat's on my lap, and I, I open it, and I went, aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I sat, and I read, and I read the whole thing. Now, I love to read, and I can I read novels. The last time I, I went away, I read a whole book, the whole thing. But- um, reading comic books every day, week to week, I've kind of gotten away from that. And I've found, I hate to say this, that condensed words with no pictures have grown to intimidate me a little bit. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to start reading this and I'm going to get like a quarter of the way through it. And I'm just going to say, screw it and move on to the book. That did not happen. I became really, really absorbed in that beginning, those couple of pages, you know, kind of giving you the uh, ins and outs of, of the story of, of the Odyssey and stuff. And I found about halfway through that I was able to follow it. Oh, good. And I started to, you know, get with the, the language and, and the rhythm of it and all of that stuff. Um, and I felt really good by, by the end of it. And I said, all right, now I'm going to go and I'm going to read the comic. And I read it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, my hat is completely off uh, to both Matt Fraction and Christian Ward. Christian Ward's art in this book is some of the best that I've seen all year. Like, talk about a nomination for break uh, Breakout Artist yeah. or something like that. Um, but Matt Fraction, this reminds me very much of when I was in school and we were reading Shakespeare. And I mean, Homer's Odyssey and stuff mm -hmm. like that, obviously. But where you kind of have to have an appreciation and an understanding of how they've changed language as you read it on a page mm -hmm. and how you speak it and how characters speak and all of that stuff. Um, I will fully admit that I felt like this was a little bit over my head. I'm very rusty <laughs> on this arena of, of reading and whatnot, but the art entertained me to no end and it was beautiful like the story itself is is really engaging and really cool and about halfway through the actual comic part of it i really started to understand it and get the flow of it and by the end i felt like i had like a really good grasp on what i had just seen and stuff like that uh and then i went back and i read the first part again yeah. and it all it all fell into place yeah. um but i'll tell you it was a journey it was a journey it took it took a long time it to was get, an odyssey it was an odyssey <laughs> sorry no it's fine and, um, but I mean, super impressive and to, for Matt Fraction to be able to write something like this and get his head wrapped around that kind of presentation of, of word is really impressive. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I also read the thing first before yeah. I got it, before I read the book. And, uh, 
I, I'm actually I'm actually glad I did, but I'll get to that second. First, it's funny. This book, there's a lot of ephemera right that goes around with the book. I mean, the the fact that it has like this ten page fold out that is not only the instruct the this timeline, but kind of really the first page of the mm-hmm. the comic, which I didn't even realize until I had already read it once that there that there was. That that wasn't just a fold out like beautiful image. There was a story happening in yes, that. Yes, the image. last page of the battle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous, and because of the ephemera, though, I feel like it automatically sets the reader into the it, or some readers into this feeling of kind of being back on their heels a little bit, where you feel like the book is almost coming at you. Yeah, with like, I'm really fucking you know, artsy and intense, like, you know, and you're going to have to deal with it. Like that's kind of what it, the message it puts yeah. out right away. And that can be off putting a little bit. I, I think when you're first opening a number one issue, but I'm, but, and that's a feeling I kind of had when I first opened it up. I was like, Jesus, like it's really hard to open up. Like I don't have a table big enough to open up <laughs> this thing or the comics actually not going to fall off my lap. So that was like a little bit of struggle at first. And then I was reading the timeline the wrong way. I was reading it backwards at first. Okay. It was a whole a whole ton of stuff. I finally got my bearings. I started reading it. And I'm actually really glad I read the timeline first. Because when I started reading it, a lot of the stuff from the timeline gets brought up. Yeah. The characters get brought mm-hmm. up. And look, if you know, if you're going to do this as a fresh story, or you're going to with a story that has Greek mythological tie-ins, you could, you could read it without having read the description, read the timeline. But... I'm glad that I read the timeline because any confusion I would have felt actually reading the book was gone. I got all my confusion out of the way first and then <laughs> was able to read the book in a, in a, in a, in a nice fluid manner. I did feel like the first time I read the book, I had to read, I was reading just the words. And the second time I read the book, I was actually looking at the art because I did need to follow along with the story. I love the interpretations of, of these mythological characters and what they're doing and, um, these sort of sometimes grotesque versions of these gods, and and I think that the, the ships are very interesting. Something I've really not seen before, and I love the story of the Odyssey. So it, it's it's nice to see where it's going. It's also nice to see that it's not just here are the events of the Odyssey, just told in in space. There's other characters they're going to bring in. They're going to they're going to show other characters. The other captains that are not um, Odysseus or Odyssea in this case, and they're going to show their adventures as well, which I think is cool. I also, the gender swap doesn't bother me at all, but it does add another layer of um, murkiness to the story because it's not like Fraction just went, okay, everyone who's a girl is now a guy and everyone who's a guy is now a girl. He went, everybody's a girl, but we're going to call them like him, hers, and... There's also these other sexbos, sex, sexbos, yeah, sexbo or something like that. Whatever they were, yeah. all these different nomenclatures for things that, when you're reading a book like this, sometimes it makes it more difficult to get to get through. But I do kind of like the children of men sort of aspect of yes. it. This, you know, no one, no one can have kids anymore. But there are a few people who are defying the laws of nature and the will of the gods so that humankind can keep going. I like that a lot. I thought that it's big and it's bombastic in, in, in just how intelligent and out there it is. And I don't think it's going to be everybody's cup of tea by a long stretch of the imagination, 
But I think that when this is collected into something, it's going to be a really, really great way and a kind of a, a really great companion to the actual Odyssey. Because, I mean, Homer, when he comes down to it, you know, is one of the first great Imagineers in mm-hmm. in the history of, of the world, right? And so to see him, he takes the ideas of these myths and these legends that he probably knew since he was a child and turn them into something. It's part history, part fantasy, and that's similar to what Fraction is doing, right? He's taking something that he knows and putting his own spin on it, and I think that's really cool and in the spirit of what the, the story is. The word is Sebex. Sebex. Yeah. Not Sexbos. Not Sexbos. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Though. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, Odyssey was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah. Sexbos. Sexbo. Sex <laughs> well, I can't. Come on. We didn't remember either, so no, we All the words anything. in that book. Yeah, that, that's I got true. it. I was pretty damn close. All right. So, Steve, what do you got for us? Um, I finished uh, reading, it's actually over, The Superior Foes of Spider-Man from Nick Spencer and Steve Weber. Uh, it's done. It's over. The, the cover for this uh, issue, number 17, is brilliant. It's the Avengers, uh, what was it, after credit sequence mm-hmm. scene? Uh, all the all the C list uh, villains sitting around eating their shawarma, and um, you know I've been I've been touting this book all year and probably late last year as well. Um, it's fantastic. It ended fantastically. It's so awesome. It's like reading. It's like watching a Guy Ritchie uh, heist film, but on the comic book page, starring you know Spider Man based uh, C list villains. It was so damn funny it was so damn funny and you know it's been entertaining and it's been clever and it's been all of those things but when you get to 17 17 i don't know if it was planned like i know it got canceled but i don't know if they had to maybe rush the ending if they did um they did a brilliant job of wrapping everything up because they essentially the overarching theme throughout the entire series is how these five people who are supposed to be the Sinister Six, five, they all are trying to come out on top in this scenario that they're in where they've stolen the head of, of uh, the Magia and stuff like that. And they all want to be the new boss. And they're involved with all these like weird, obscure villains that keep on trying to do them in. But the whole way through, they are all trying to screw each other over. And so in this issue, you finally get like the curtain blown back on who's been pulling the strings the most. And you find out that the book is not about like double crosses or quadruple crosses. Everybody's crossed everyone over in every way. And then even after that, they pull something over on you, the reader, like as an audience Mm -hmm. that changes the events of the entire series. So if you go back, they give you all these little snippets and all these little pieces like, Hey, do you remember when we did this? Do you remember when we did this kind of like, Nick Spencer's Morning Glories thing where, hey, do you remember in issue number four? And this is in like, you know, issue 42. Right, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you remember when this guy walked, you know, bumped into <laughs> him in the hallway? Well, that guy was this guy. And mm. whoa, this had the same thing where it was, you know, hey, remember issue number seven? You had no idea what was going on. This is what was going on. And now you know, and now you have to go back and you need to reread it because it's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, super, super satisfying ending to a absolutely hilarious, hilarious run uh, on a book. If you guys are Spider-Man fans, 
if you're fans of Nick Spencer doing, you know, kooky, weird time displacement things with characters and, and bringing jokes up from earlier issues that have huge payoffs in the end, uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man is not to be missed. Um, I don't know if it'll make it to my end of the year list, but damn, it was really good. So right. that was one. Uh, and then my, my favorite book of the week was uh, Gotham by Midnight by uh, Ray Fox and Ben Templesmith, number one from DC. I have been looking forward to this. I The only thing that I have drawn by Ben Templesmith, I think I have a couple of like Criminal Macabre things uh, if he did that. And uh, I just got the squitter. I finally got my Kickstarter squitter a couple weeks back. I haven't read it yet. But um, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to feel with him being on a Batman book. I don't know if he's drawn Batman before, probably maybe in like a... He did that, um, there was that arc he did from Legends of the Dark Knight. Okay. It was like a Joker arc. I know you read it because you are the one who said, like, you should read this. Yeah. Yeah. And Ben Templesmith was the... He was the artist on it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. Hmm. Yes. Wow. All right. Awesome. I'll have to go (laughs) back and tell myself what that was. Mm -hmm. But, um... So what you have what you have here is uh, Jim Gordon has set up kind of like a secret uh, like paranormal supernatural division of the GCPD, and you've got some of your you know rough around the edges uh, cops getting in on this, and you know Batman's their friend, and he you know uh, gives them information underneath the table, but the team is is strange because it's as far as I can tell it's three cops, and then they have a couple of outsiders. One of them uh, is a nun. And then, like, kind of a uh, psychic, paranormal investigator type. And it's just, I didn't know what to expect. I, I had to get used to, like I said, Ben Templesmith being on a Batman book. Like, Batman looked really, like, angular and strange. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of the, the washed-out colors that Ben uses, where it's, like, you know, these strange blues and, and pale peaches. And it looks like he'd almost spilt, like, coffee <laughs> or like water spots all over every panel and just kind of left it out in the sun and they printed the book off. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how I felt about it for a while. And then about halfway through the book, I started to really get into the creepiness of the colors and kind of this like luminescence that the book has. And then by the time you get to the end, you find out what's going on. Um, it's just, it fits right in there and it's spectacular. Um, but what you have is this group going in and investigating these two girls that live in the outskirts of Gotham, which was also a really cool aspect of the book because whenever I'm reading Batman or Gotham stuff, it's always in Gotham. We're always in the city or we're in Arkham Asylum or we're in the manor. This is like right on the, it's like the Queens of if, if Gotham was New York city, it would be like the Queens ish Brooklyn area. And so now you get to see like almost like suburban style housing and this little family that lives there and there were two girls that went and disappeared. Now they're back and they're behaving rather strangely. So this group gets called in to investigate. Meanwhile, they're getting investigated themselves by an IA agent, basically looking into their expenditures and seeing what it is that they do. So he's pretty much, you know, the you of reading this book. He's your invitation into mm. this world of theirs. And um, again, another book where they're doing stuff within the Batman universe that conceptually I think is really neat. Um, Batwoman had that supernatural stuff going on in the beginning that I really, really enjoyed. This book looks to be bringing some of that back. And um, by the end of the book, the last page seriously threw me. 
Like I did not expect that to happen or for that to be the scenario that we're left with. And it's one of the situations where I absolutely have to pick up the the next issue just to know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm in a very, very much a Gotham central state of mind lately. So I'm going to go and compare everything to mm-hmm. Gotham central now that I've read it. Um, but I love not that it doesn't feel like Gotham central, but I love these bat books that are dealing with the law enforcement of Gotham and telling a different type of a different kind of Batman story where he's in, you know, two panels. He's got, you know, three whole sentences throughout the whole book. And we're left with this, you know, oddball group of, you know, the, the, the mortician and the nun and, you know, the girl that looks like, uh, what's her face from oh, that Quentin Tarantino movie. Why am I blanking on this? Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, the Uma Thurman oh, haircut. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I completely blanked on that. <laughs> but um, yeah, just you know, a really cool book. And uh, I actually I fell asleep right after I read it, and I had a Gotham by Midnight dream um, mm. for about an. I felt like a long time. It was only a nap. So, but the entire dream was the like lighting and and I guess art of the dream. The style of it was in the Ben Temple Smith. Uh, style and I woke up and I actually I read it again with all of that still in my head and I I ended up having a very cool personal experience with the book Um, don't always get that every week so that's why it's my favorite yeah it was also my favorite book of the week as well and uh, for a lot of what you said I'm it is a book lived in by by mood I mean the the mood of the book is 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 fantastic and it's a consistent tone from beginning to end Obviously, a lot of that helped by the art. Uh, the Temples with art is very non-traditional when it comes to Batman, but it fits the story here perfectly. And the idea of having that, as you said, Steve, that that new guy, that I agent, who's specifically there to learn about these people. Right. It's a, you know it's an old narrative trick, but it's used very well here because he actually just asks the questions that you, as the reader, want to know. Right. Which works really, really well. Um. I, Jim Corrigan, who is kind of the main character of the book, who is also the, the, Spectre. the Spectre, is is great here as the lead, as this kind of world-weary detective who he's seen so many horrible things in his life and dealt with so much stuff that he's kind of gone to the last place that he can really go because he can no longer be a regular cop because he knows too much about what happens, you know, behind the scenes. Right. And this task force, which I'm not sure how this idea grew. If it was, we want a book in the Gotham world with Jim Corgan, the specter, or we came up with this supernatural Gotham team. It would make a lot of sense to put Jim Corrigan on there because of, because his roots, either way, they're a match made in heaven. And I, I I think that all his scenes are kind of my favorite scenes in the book. Yeah, all the scenes that he that he's leading, and you know you get these great scenes between the IA guy and the, the the team members, which are very reminiscent of every every supernatural movie you've ever seen, where there's the skeptic and the believers, <laughs> and there are conversations, but they work really well. There's a reason why those scenes are in a thousand movies, is because they work really well, and they work really well here. The Batman of it all, he's in it very, very little. You know, it's kind of mysterious on the edges character. And I think that's where he belongs in a book like this. But 
from the assumptions are to uh, the story, which I think is really interesting and, and creepy, really creepy, especially these these last few pages, which yeah. really sort of ramp it up, and it gets really disturbing. And then the, the last image is like, what the hell is going super on? Super scary. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in this page, but it's really scary. I and mean, really, like you said, makes me want to pick up the next yeah. one. Like I, I was ex- in my head. I'm not going to say what I was expecting because I don't want to ruin it for people. But I was totally expecting one thing, and then I turned the page and I went, "Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's not what I thought we were." You know, well, I'm not going to say it, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really, really, really enjoyed it, and I like how you know we spent a little bit of time. Feels like with everybody that it wasn't a situation where, like, this is who this person is. Mm-hmm. You just got that, like, the the mortician or, or whatever he's supposed to be. He is creepy. Like, he's creepy and he's quirky and he's weird. And, you know, um, like, you've seen him in television shows and stuff like that. And I just, you already, you get, a, you get a good vibe from the characters just from the scenes that they're in, that there wasn't any kind of by the numbers way of telling you, introducing you to these characters. Yeah. And I do, I re- one of the things I like so much about the Corian character in this is that, you know, everyone is trying to explain to this guy, like, you know, what they're doing and why it's worth it. And, you know, they've never been arrest, So why should they be able to stay open? And Jim Corgan is just kind of like, you can come with me and see what you're going to see, but yeah. I'm telling you, you can't unsee it. So, just, just be prepared. Yeah. Like you know, you're not. He's very matter of fact about it. You know, he's very yeah. like, we're just gonna go do it, and you're gonna see it or you're not see it. And he didn't seem to really care whether or not, right? You know, because I think he knows that there's no way that the guy's not gonna see something that's gonna make him realize what's well, happening. Well, the guy's saying like, you know, I'm gonna be with you guys for a little while, but I'm indefinitely I'm gonna shut you down. He's like, you're only gonna need one night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very very cool. I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, it's. The two books, my two favorite books of, of the week were Odyssey and this, and they're very, very different. And Odyssey was this kind of men- mental gymnastics type of thing. And this, although it's different than other Bat books, is a very kind of comfortable book mm-hmm. to read. Because if you like horror, if you like supernatural mystery, if you like Gotham, the the, the city, not the show, um, you'll enjoy... <laughs> I mean, if you like the show, maybe you like it too, but I meant the city. Um, you know... If you like those things, you'll like this book. And it's kind of the, I think, the sweet spot for mainstream comics experimenting. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not as crazy as something like Odyssey and never will be, but that's okay because it doesn't need to be. It's dealing with characters that we know, it's dealing with situations that we're aware of, and that's fine too. You know, you, there's room for both. And that's, uh, I think, I read them right next to each other, and it was like a great counterpoint yeah. to each other. All right, so that'll do it um, for books of the week. We are going to come back and kind of do like a dual thing. We're gonna we're gonna go over the the categories for end of the year awards and and talk about you know some possible books that we might want each other to read. But we're also gonna go over the giant Suicide Squad casting news that got announced. Be right back after this. We are back, and we're going to get into 
our initial discussions about end of the year 2014 awards. But before we do that, that was the plan for all we we're going to talk about for the <laughs> yeah. second half of this show. And then at about 6.30 yeah, about that. on Monday evening, um, which is fantastic because rarely, if ever, does huge news like this break right before we record a show. Usually happens right after. Um, <laughs> it's planned. Yeah. Uh, DC and Warner Brothers announced the cast for their Suicide Squad movie, which is coming out in August of 2016, which is just a few months after Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. So we knew we'd be getting cast relatively soon. We heard a lot of rumors, but now this is official. It's official, and it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jared Leto is playing the Joker. Margot Robbie um, is playing Harley Quinn. Will Smith is playing Deadshot. Okay. <laughs> Tom yeah. Hardy is playing Rick Flag, and Jai Courtney, Jai Courtney is a, is playing Boomerang, and Kara Delavinje is the Enchantress, or as Enchantress. Mm. Um, and the rumors are that Jesse Eisenberg will be playing reprising his role as Lex Luthor mm-hmm. in the movie, and they're right now looking for Amanda Waller. And apparently, the the three actresses they're looking at are Viola Davis, Octavia Spencer, and Oprah Winfrey. To play Amanda Oprah, Waller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gonna give everybody on the set a new car. Yeah, <laughs> and you get an explosive charge in your head, and yeah. you get an explosive <laughs> charge in your head. Nice. Um. So yeah, that's that's the casting for Suicide Squad. Oprah. Yeah, th- that's not for sure. Obviously. I know. I'm sorry. This is gonna blow my mind. But that's like bit. their top choice apparently is Oprah. All right. So we talked right before, um, but probably October-ish. We talked about these announcements, and we mentioned stuff being so up in the air that it was tough to really talk about because we didn't have anything concrete. Mm-hmm. Now we have our real first real concrete. Last week we had the announcement of the Wonder Woman director and this week we have a full cast um, flesh and blood people playing these characters in the Suicide Squad movie. Um, Bob, I gave you this news when you walked in my door yeah. today. Uh, what do you think about this? I think this is really great news. Sounds crazy. That a bit of casting news that they're looking at real women for Amanda Waller. Mm-hmm. tells me there's a different direction happening. Mm-hmm. That there's, there's attention to the detail in the books that you're adding the Joker here diversifies the Batman universe in, in another way. We now are coming at that from a different angle. You'll see he and Harley together, which is fun. Awesome. And so I'm, I, I, I still remain skeptical about the BS movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because of who's behind that, but between having a Game of Thrones director who's now part of the creative process behind scripting the Wonder Woman movie and directing it, and this, and we have director and writer named here, too, yes. with some nice pedigree, and David Ayer? David Ayer, yeah. I'm I, looking forward to this one. I'm not still not sure about the other one, but I'll be there for this one. <laughs> I'll definitely be there for this one. What do you think, Steve? I'm excited. I'm really excited. I, you know, Bob hit it on the head where, you know, we're starting to get some more information about these movies. Things are starting to be revealed and fall into place. And, you know, the pieces that we've been given so far are pretty good. Um, oh God, some some of the casting choices, I guess we'll go through them, I think are super, super solid. And I mean, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about the DC movies, the Slate and which ones we were excited for. This is one of the ones that I've been excited for. I've never seen any of uh, David Ayer's movies, but I mean, looking over what he's got, it's got he's got like a you know good serious face on, 
And then, like you said, with the idea of looking at some high-profile women to play uh, Amanda's role, it kind of gives me hope for the not so much the maturity, but the sense of direction that it might take, that maybe it'll be more serious than I'd anticipated. I kind of didn't know if they were going to do like a, you know, half comedy romp and it's just going to be weird and silly and people aren't going to know what to make of it. If they're going to go with like a straight up assassin film with, you know, really hard consequences, like they might even kill a couple of characters in this with the whole bomb in the neck thing. And they're going to take like a hard approach to it. Like the guy, the guy directing it did training day. He yeah. wrote training day. He, he, his filmography is, is, is small right now, but it's a movie called harsh times with Christian Bale street Kings, end of watch, um, sabotage and fury, which is that Brad Pitt movie that just came out. Right. The, the, the period piece. Yeah. All very serious movies. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I'm, I haven't like it just broke before we we left mm. to come and record the podcast, so I haven't seen. I can only imagine like the Jared Leto Joker fire that's probably yeah. been lit for the past hour and a half. I don't know how people are going to react to that if we're going to go back to you know hating on Heath Ledger before he gave the performance of a lifetime. Mm. Um, but I am absolutely positively in love with uh, Margaret Robbie as Harley Quinn. I think it's a fantastic choice. She was great in The Wolf of Wall Street. She looks the part, and if she can... I mean, she could do her own thing with it, but if she gets that voice going on and her with Leto on screen, I think they, they're going to have a real chemistry with one another, and it could wind up being really awesome. Yeah, I mean, Jared Leto just won an Oscar mm-hmm. for the Dallas Buyers mm-hmm. Club, and this is the first movie he's taking on post-winning that Oscar. So oh. it's it's a big deal. I mean... this. We talked about it a little bit too when we first talked about the, the different approaches that, that the people would take, and I said one of the th- approaches that I will be excited to see is if Warner Brothers kind of puts that Warner Brothers thing behind the movies that they're going to make. And this is one of those things. This is a cast that's flush with people who are huge stars who have a great relationship with the studio as well, and that's really promising sign for me as far as casting goes. Now DC and Warner Brothers did something interesting, right? Where Marvel doesn't seem to care what characters they're doing. They'll put whoever they want into it. DC, and probably Warner Brothers more than DC, was like, no one knows what the Suicide Squad is. We need to put stars in it. And this is like a really fucking great group of people to put in it. I mean, uh, it's so funny that like Will Smith is going to be in a comic book movie. And, and, it's a crazy thing to think about, right? He's still one of the biggest movie stars in the world. He's not mm-hmm. what he used to be, but he's still one of the biggest and most recognizable people in the world. Oh, certainly. Um, Tom Hardy is obviously huge. Um, and, and the fact that they're kind of be playing kind of the two probably leads of the movie. Deadshot um, is... Deadshot and Rick Flagg is kind of the non-villain. Yeah, who is that? He's the non-villain leader of the Suicide Squad. He's like their chaperone in a lot of ways. Okay. He's almost like... Steve Trevor kind of plays it in the comic books now. Okay. As like their liaison, uh, as their yes. chaperone, as the one who keeps them in line when, when they're when they're doing their missions. That's who Rick Flagg is. It's at least in the comic book iteration of that character. And Deadshot is is you know this great marksman who is but also has a, a big ego and um, he's generally one of the leads of, of that book. I I'm interested to see how the Joker fits in to the story mm-hmm. because. And this is just knee-jerk kind of 
thinking about the character in the comics, there has to be some big reason for him to do it because other than just his life being threatened because the joker isn't really like oh i'm a bad guy but when i get caught i'm gonna go along and try to get my descendants reduced you know that doesn't feel like the joker to me he might really be into it he or he also might be planning something and plotting something which is what right. i more expect to, to be the case mm-hmm. um so i'm interested to see where that goes what jared Leto does with the character i have no doubt that he'll be great mm-hmm. you know he's a great actor he's he's proven that and it's a big meaty role to take on, but I think Jared Leto's kind of the the right person to to, to take that. Do you think we're going to get to see Harley's backstory in this? Are they going to, or we're we just going to be thrown into it where they're already a, a thing, a couple? Um, possibly a little bit of both. Maybe you you see them first as a couple, and then we get thrown back. Or you know, Jared Leto's playing the Joker in Suicide Squad, but we don't know how much the Joker is going to be. Maybe a Joker is only in flashbacks. I mean, we don't even know these things. Okay. Um, obviously, yeah, because the movie is still a couple of years away. But I don't know. Could he maybe not even? You think he's a part of the Suicide Squad, or maybe he's on the outside? Maybe he's their mark, possibly. Yeah. Hey. And so that the whole the Harley Joker thing takes a whole different turn. Falls in love with him in the course of trying to, yeah. to take him out. Maybe. Yeah. I I, I want to see. I I really am curious about how they're going to set up all of these characters because we're still yet to see dawn of justice obviously or anything about it yet but what we've heard right is that gotham is going to be an already established world before we uh, we ever see it now we have people cast as the joker and as harley quinn i'm not saying that they're going to be in that movie but i assume now they're going to be hinted at in that movie right i'm assuming that batman's faced the joker before if he exists at, at this at this point in time, hmm. so I think Jared Leto is a great choice. I mean, Tom Hardy is obviously fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, and I'm really interested what they do with it. This is one of those things where, if the movie is really serious and dark, that's what it's supposed to be. be. Yes, <laughs> you know, and th- that's the thing where it's tone fitting the, the the story. Right, the Suicide Squad are a bunch of villains. They're a bunch of bad guys, people who don't care about killing other people, about doing the worst thing in the world. So their story is not going to be... There, there's going to be some humor there, obviously. I guarantee that. But it's going to be grimier than you would expect. I mean, Bob, what do you think about Jared Leto as the Joker? I have only seen a couple of things with him in it. He is a very good actor. He's got the right sort of angular look. Mm. And based on what he did with Dallas Buyers Club, he'll do whatever they want him to do. It's going to be interesting to see what his take on this will be. Is it... I can't imagine he'd want to try to replicate Heath Ledger. Right. So is it somewhere between that and Nicholson's? Is it a completely original take? This, they hired this guy to go act. Go find this character. Here's your parameters, uh, more than likely, and stay within them, but push against it. Hmm. I think it can work. Yeah. I mean, now where we go next is it, there isn't a Batman movie. Not on the slate, no. Right. So is this in a Justice League movie where we end up with the Joker and maybe Lex, if he's going to be in this, they team up? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Got to have someone big enough to take on the Justice League, right? Right, exactly. So yeah. a I'm team just, of bad guys. I'm just over here getting really excited about the possibility of having Joker in multiple films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I don't know, that's really cool. You know, and, and they get to position this kind of, sure, you don't know who the Suicide Squad is maybe, but... If you position this as sort of like this dirty dozen type of film with all these stars that you know all their faces and you and you love them, mm-hmm. 
then you're doing the same thing as what Marvel does. Marvel relies on their brand because they've built it up over the past mm-hmm. couple of years to sell Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And D- and Warner Brothers is going to use what, what they do best, which is just to put prestige people in what appears to be a prestige movie for their studio. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool thing. You know, that that's that's where I think the differences between the two studios and the two companies is going to benefit us because <laughs> DC is going to try to do something different than mm-hmm. Marvel is doing. And if this is kind of where they're going to go with it, I think that's a really, a really cool idea. I'd say the only caveat is if you end up with those personalities overwhelming the property, right? If they become star turns in the way that the Schumacher Batman movies did. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, it's Jim Carrey as the Riddler. No, it's just Jim Carrey running around, right? Dressed like the Riddler. Yeah. So you have to make sure that you've got strong hands in the director's chair. Absolutely. I yes. think Will Smith's got the the hardest spot in all of this. He's going to have to do a damn good job to to get past a lot of people. Like I'm picturing the outtakes of him putting on like the goggle thing and turning and being like, I make this look good. <laughs> like, how are you gonna take Will Smith, the Fresh Prince, as Deadshot? Oh, he isn't the Fresh Prince in like twenty five years, know, dude. But, but he's been nominated for Oscars. He's done the, the most serious movies in the world. I don't know, world. man. I'll tell you, with with Alfonso doing his uh, Dancing with the Stars <laughs> stuff, the the Fresh Prince has had a, quite the revival on the internet in the last couple of weeks. No, I know he's not the Fresh Prince anymore, but. Okay, so he's not the Fresh Prince anymore, but he's also that After Earth, you know, uh, Will Smith. I pre- yeah, I prefer to think of he's Hancock, which I think I, is very. I, I thought I, very I, underrated. I, I That's what I'm Han- saying. I, I did Hancock. too. I, I saw Hancock way too many times. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally just from a curiosity's sake, and he's done some really great stuff in the past. You know, I yeah. just I just think there's a there's a bit of a stigma that surrounds him. Yeah, there's a, see, this, this is the thing, and this is the thing that always happens. There's a stigma with the people that we interact with on the internet with him. Yeah. My mom thinks Will Smith is the greatest person in the entire world. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's it, how my mom is with Jamie Foxx. Yeah, so it's it's like, it, it, it the the mass audience has no, they're like, Oh, he did After Earth. What, well, that's going to that's gonna ruin him for the rest of his life. You know, they don't care. <laughs> they don't even remember he did that movie. You know, so they're going to see a big... I remember. A big action superhero movie. Um, or comic book movie with Will Smith in it, and it's going to make people interested in it, I think. Um, it's a big move for him, I think, in a lot of ways, because you know, he doesn't really do ensemble movies anymore. He doesn't do um, you know, movies made out of properties, really. It's usually just, Will Smith is this, you know, and that's not what this movie four. is. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> but it's, th- th- this is not that. This is a, a big ensemble film, so... Where Interesting the, choice. Where the brand is bigger than he is. Did you see the third Men in Black movie? No. It was terrible. I'm sure the second one was terrible. <laughs> was. That's why I didn't want to see the third one. The <laughs> only reason I wanted to see the third one was because I, I thought that Josh Brolin doing the Tommy Lee Jones impression was hilarious. It yeah. it was good. Mm-hmm. It was it was admirable, but it did not carry oh, no, I'm sure. you know, an hour and 40 minutes worth of uh, that film. That's why I didn't see it. Because those movies... The first one is very good. Yes, it yeah. is. The other ones are not good at all. Um, but yeah, so that's the Suicide Squad casting. I, I, you know, it got me very excited about the movie. Yeah. And it was certainly a, 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 a breath of fresh air and also a breath of realism for, the, for the, this kind of crazy abstract painting of what their movies are going to be. Yeah. You know, it was like, this is what, as a director, here's the cast. They're all crazy big stars. And now we're, this movie is real. Like, this movie is really happening. 
and you get to kind of see finally the beginnings of, of what, what we're going to do past the Man of Steel universe. And I, I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, when you just throw out, oh, The Rock is going to be in Shazam. Yeah. And? Yeah. As, who? Well, yeah. Who's directing? Is anyone writing mm-hmm. it? What's it about? Uh, mm-hmm. It's got The Rock. Yeah. That's good enough. No, that's <laughs> good enough for my 1250 or whatever it costs <laughs> to go to a movie. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Suicide Squad, big, big news. Let us know what mm-hmm. you think. Um, at Talking Comics on Twitter. Uh, facebook.com slash talking comics or podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com all right so let's move on to uh the original main event of all of this mm. so i say this a lot and i say this is about the actual award deliberations it's like if we were a, 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 a four pay site where we had like an office we probably do a lot of this stuff behind the scenes but the only time we have to talk about this stuff is on the air so we're going to record it and make it a podcast um, <laughs> and this is very similar to that this is like the, the the kind of the opening salvo which we made done by email or a couple conversations here or there unfortunately Stephanie's not here but I'm sure she'll send along some pics as well mm-hmm. um, so Bob why don't you run down the categories what, the, what they're going to be okay what we are doing uh, you want them reverse order or something or, no or, even okay. whatever order doesn't matter we have overall which can be ongoing series, miniseries, graphic novel, or if you can argue strong enough, a single issue mm-hmm. can be the overall best comic of the year. <laughs> Ha-ha! <laughs> this best ongoing series, which I guess that leaves me out because all my series that I like are canceled. Oh, <laughs> self-burn. Uh, there you go. Uh, best miniseries, best new series, best story arc, best single issue slash one-shot, best graphic novel. We've split these categories this year. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Smart. Uh, best artist, best writer, breakthrough artist, breakthrough writer, cover, publisher, and webcomic. And then we have a couple of sort of oddball little goofy things for me. All right. <laughs> and um, so quickly about the like, kind of the rules of what can be nominated and what can't. Obviously, for all the normal categories, ongoing, overall comic, if it was published this year, it can it can mm. be up for an award. Um, the only rules about breakthrough are they cannot have been nominated or have won obviously previously because then you can't you can't be breakthrough twice. It doesn't no. work like that. You graduate past that category into overall. You can't be rookie of the year two years in exactly, a row. Exactly, exactly. Um, as far as miniseries, best miniseries. You know, it could have had issues come out last year and finished this year. The only rule is that if we nominated it last year, it can't be nominated again. So I believe right. we nominated The Wake last year. Our minis last year were uh, BPRD Vampire, mm-hmm. Hellboy Midnight Circus, Mara, The Rocketeer Spirit, and The Wake. Yeah. So The Wake finished this year, but began last year. We nominated it last year, so it can't be nominated again, if, if that was something that was going to happen. Right. Last year's new series, similarly. Yeah. Afterlife with Archie, mm-hmm. The Movement, Rat right. Queens, Rocket Girl, and Sex Criminals. Right. None of those can be new. New again. This year. Um, but things that weren't nominated that might have started last year had a couple of issues, one or two issues. I think Black Science was like one of those mm-hmm. books, stuff like that. They are very much eligible for, for this year, as long as they weren't nominated last year and they've had a significant run. They've had more issues this year than they had last right. year. <laughs> Should we go down our breakthroughs so we don't yeah, double the, up on those the, two? This okay. is from last year, so go down Break, the Breakthrough writers was Faith Aaron Hicks, Caitlin Kittredge, Alesh Cott, Charles Soule, and Joshua Williamson. Mm-hmm. And the breakthrough artist side, Felipe Andrade, Amy Reeder, Rock Upchurch, Freddie E. Williams II, and Chip Zdarsky. All right. Wow. 
Wow is right. <laughs> All these people had very good years. They did. So we, we didn't do too bad at predicting breakout people here. They did have here. very good years. Very, very good years. Um, well, Bob, why don't you tell the winners from last year and the other categories anyway? Okay. So can... Our publisher of the year was Image, and we have our we had listeners vote last year. Yeah. Their, their vote was also for Image. Mm. Our breakthrough artist was Amy Reader. The listeners was Felipe Andre, despite the fact he was complained about by listeners for virtually the whole year. <laughs> but he won the breakthrough artist. Breakthrough writer was Charles Soule on in both ballots. Mm. Uh, web digital comics, we had a tie between Adventures of Superhero Girl and Bandette with Adventures of Super, Superhero Girl taking our tiebreaker vote. And for listeners, it was Injustice. All right, yes. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, our cover was Ferris number 17. Uh, for listeners, it was Fearless Defenders number two, which was the Blister Pack cover. Mm. The action figure yes. cover. Uh, the single issue was Captain Marvel 17. For listeners, it was Batman and Robin number 18. Our miniseries was Mara. For listeners, it was The Wake. Our best new series was Sex Criminals, and for listeners, Rat Queens. Story arc, uh, Lock and Key, Alpha Omega for us, and The Wake for the listeners. Our writer was Kelly Sue DeConnick. Listeners, writer Scott Snyder. Our artist, Francesco Francavilla, and the listeners, Greg Capullo. Our best ongoing series of last year was Captain Marvel. The listeners were Batman, and we had a write-in champ for Saga. We got yes. a tremendous amount of votes because we had cut down our nominees last year from five to three, and everyone assumed somebody else would, would put it up there, and it didn't make it in, and yeah. we gave Stephanie a last chance, yep. we blew that one. So yeah. sorry, guys. And our best overall was Lock and Key, mm. and for listeners, it was Hawkeye. All right. Wow. Cool. Cool. So, you know, we're just going to throw some names there. You know, a lot of this process, too, for us, and this is completely, you know, full disclosure, is that we read so much stuff and we try to keep track of everything that we check out, but things slip through the cracks. You forget things. And a lot of it, what's really helpful is, you know, talking to each other. Sometimes we'll jar memories of stuff. So this is going to be very, you know, we'll go category by category and, you know, just talk about some of our nominees and, you know, there might be some overlap, you know, this is not saying, and again, there's going to be more than three because we're going to bring three to the table for each one. So these could be our short list. They could not be our short yeah. list. You know, they could be a little bit above that, but they're all things that are in the mix, let's yes. say, for, for that. And um, yeah, so we'll just go over that a little bit. So yeah, in categories, I'm supposed to have three picks. I have 12. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> it's also too stuff, early, you know, for me yeah. too. It's also like the, stuff like... Um, uh, you know the the digital web web comic stuff. I'm very very sparse on because I just I don't read that stuff on, on the regular. So I kind of rely on this kind of end of the year stuff mm -hmm. for other people and reading my, uh, lists and checking do my research to kind of find the stuff that I really love. And the, one of the best things about web, web comics, obviously, is that you can read them usually quickly, take them in, a, and be able to process them. Um, but of course, that's very much Stephanie's specialty, and she's not here yes. to talk about she this. She will help us out. Uh, yes. As the last couple of years, we've all found some wonderful things on there through that. That we found JLA, we found Bandette, mm -hmm. Superhero Girl, uh, Lady Saber. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's and let's also we also we also we don't have to do best publisher obviously because. <clears throat> The, the the things that we're going to bring up they're set it's not like yeah. there, there's no one else but the people who actually publish comic books right um but i think that one's gonna be an interesting one that this year because only bringing three to the table my my three i think are going to not be expected um i can't i forgot that we were only doing three yeah i'm i'm in, internally weeping over <laughs> here oh that's what makes it tough yeah three and have your have your like wild card on the side so you can you can bring it, it in, in. And, yeah 
So let's start with um, Breakthrough Artist. Bob, okay. what, why don't you uh, start out? Tell us some of the, the people we should be looking out for. Uh, Milo Minara. <laughs> I think he's the breakthrough artist. <laughs> there was more said about him this year than nearly everybody. That's true. Um, the Spider Woman cover. The Spider Woman cover. The oh, butt Jesus. cover. The butt cover. No, no, no. Um, I washed it from my brain. You just put it right yep, back in there. There you go. Uh, for me, going with some from the outside, because some, some of the others I think we'll see a lot of. Babs Tar. Mm-hmm. You know, what was what's being done with Batgirl is just so new and fresh and different. For that book and for DC on the whole, I think this just a really, really, was a brave choice. Someone who hadn't done comics before. Isn't that the definition of breakthrough? It's at some level anyway. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that that's, that's probably going to be there when we get, when we get to the, yeah. the, end, the end list. I mean, I think kind of vein, I think uh, Carl Kershaw. Yeah, that was yeah, he's on my short list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is one that's that, that's there as well. But Bob, you have like a bulk of people there in front of you, right? Oh, uh, for that one, just one more. Adrian Alfano. Oh, okay. For Ms. Marvel. All right. And then we'll obviously we'll talk about this more in depth. More interesting to me is that I know Adrian Alfano has done a bunch of stuff before. So it's it, the those two categories, breakthrough writer, breakthrough artist, are always, I think, murkier than some of the other ones because it's very subjective in a lot of ways mm-hmm. like what that means because some of it can come just from your own personal experience with with the with the artist or writer and, and where they've come from you know so there could be somebody who's been doing work for 20 years and now they might be doing their best work and maybe that counts as breakthrough but yes. maybe somebody would say it wouldn't because they've been around for 20 years so you know whatever we, we did mike all right oh, the, the first year because yeah. of the stuff he, he had been doing so it's a very interesting uh category to to, to go through mm-hmm. um I have some, some, some listener stuff here as well. So we'll kind of sparse that in as we as we go along. Yeah, I might have to start writing stuff down. I have my pen. Yeah. Of course, the app closed when I tried to, mm. when I tried to read what was here. Okay, so let's look at. Um, so this is from uh, Captain Saxon on the on the forums, mm. and he is um, he has one for breakthrough artists on there. It's Greg Ticini, who is the artist on Low. Okay. Oh. Um, and breakthrough writer, he has Joshua Williamson, which obviously can't count because he was nominated last year for us. Yeah. Um, and Cullen Bunn is is the ah. other hmm. uh, on here. Uh, Cullen Bunn obviously had a very big year, uh, doing stuff for Marvel, you know, DC, doing stuff for indies as well. Um, so yeah, so those are some that he has. Um, let's see here, breakthrough writer and breakthrough artist, uh, G Willow Wilson, uh, breakthrough writer, Russ, mm. Russell Dowderman breakthrough artist who's doing obviously the art on thor Thor. did the cyclops stuff as well so that's one to remember that's somebody i actually forgot about so that's good to have that included kind of in in my brain um a lot of people actually wrote in saying that we should read the private eye the digital book the brian k vaughn yeah written book marcus martin is is the artist on that um breakthrough artist here as well as another one that i think it's great i think steve will agree with this one robbie rodriguez who did FPP? Oh hell yeah! I and uh, Spider Gwen, totally. Spider Gwen. That's totally. Lenny Re- Lenny Reed brought that up, and he said um, Charles Soul breakthrough writer. But we already had that last year. And Ian Edgington, who does Brass Sun, and he also does Hinterkind. And he did Steed and Mrs. Peel were needed. Oh okay, there you go. Yeah. So he he had a lot of stuff going on there as well. Um, Good call on the Robbie Rodriguez. Yeah, Captain Superior for breakthrough artist actually puts in um, J- Jordi Belair, colorist for breakthrough I like artist. That. Okay. And breakthrough writer Colin Bunn as well. So a few Colin Bunn write-ins there. 
Um, this mm. is uh, Barefoot Root and says uh, Breakthrough Artist Amy Reader, but I think she was nominated last year for One us. last year. So One yeah, last year. Yeah. And Breakthrough Writer actually has Scotty Young on here for his work on Rocket Raccoon. Oh. So as a writer. Um, yeah, so let's see here. Any... I have a writer to throw in quickly, Marguerite Bennett. Oh, yeah. Now working for both companies and all write, sorts of big property. I've got to write that down. As How well. about uh, for Breakthrough Writer, Becky Cloonan? Yeah, she's oh, on my yeah. short list too. Yeah, yeah. For Gotham Academy. Okay, Becky, let me write this in here. I'm gonna write these all in here so I can remember them. Uh, also, I want to throw out one um, for we were just talking about him, but for a breakthrough artist, uh, Christian Ward. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, that Odyssey book is is ridiculously <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, impressive. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the actual debates when we get into it. I mean, you can, you can, <laughs> let's all give it up now. He's yes. already won. Damn it. <laughs> we can uh, we can uh, you know debate that when it when it comes up. Um, <laughs> And <laughs> books are fucking mess. Tundra uh, on the on the forums said, uh, "Breakthrough artist Tula Latoy, who is the artist on Su- uh, Supreme Blue Rose, the Warren Ellis book." Oh, I didn't really. I, mean, I don't think I got that. No, I did. I got the first issue, and it it killed me. Yeah, the art is gorgeous, but very confusing. Yes. Uh, I want to say too. I, I didn't think this before, but uh, she does the art on um, Empty Man. Uh, Vanessa Del Rey. Yeah, that's her name. Yeah, what I, was what was that? What was that? We're hoping you're going to help us I'm here. Really, no, because th- now we're getting into debates. I have really mixed feelings about the art for that book. Okay, well that's okay. fine. I'm just I was I was just saying like the na- is that her name? It's got strange perspective, <laughs> tiny heads, <laughs> super creepy though. <laughs> well, maybe that's what she was going for. Yeah, I don't know. So um, let, let, uh, let's talk about uh, one shots and uh, single issues. Okay. Here. So, Bob, why don't you just uh, read out a few for us? Well, uh, this, we talked about Spider-Gwen, and mm-hmm. that's Age of Spider-Verse 2. That was unexpectedly wonderful. I mean, it's part of an event. It's, yeah, oh, yeah, who's going to care? Boy, they just open with the, the rock concert and the, the whole turn it on its head, but still have the same emotional touchstones that the real Peter, the real Spider-Man had. I love the crap out of that. One I'm going to throw out that's never going to pass muster was Ghost Number 4, which brought us back to the origin of a character that I've been reading for 20-odd years and taught me new things about it in a way that Hmm. informs everything you've read before without undercutting it. That's a neat little piece of work by Kelly Sue DeConnick on that. And for fun, Nightcrawler 7, which wasn't any fun of all, but it's it's a Death of Wolverine tie-in. That was awesome. Yeah, it was completely, completely heartfelt and wonderful. Uh, Lois Lane one shot, which I think was, we did that show. It was just the two of us. Yeah, that's that true. One. Yes, that was that really was good. Very good. That yeah. was really really good. Yeah. Um, we're doing single issues, single issues, yep. and one shots. Uh, Afterlife with Archie. Oh yeah, number six. <laughs> number six. six. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> Bride of Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler: It already won. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that book was. I still have chills. I still have chills that are working their way out of my spine from reading that book. That was one of the, I mean, I have to read it again, but that was definitely one of the highlights of the year. I mean, we all came back that week on the podcast and we we're like, oh, uh, yeah. so that's definitely up there for me. Um, uh, for me, um, Pax Americana, the latest yes. issue of the multiversity, yep. mm. it's definitely going to be discussed. Um, so reread that about 16,000 times mm. so you can be ready to talk about it. Um <laughs> Uh, read it backwards this time and uh daredevil number five is also that's the final fate of foggy nelson where you learn uh, what yeah. happened to foggy 
um, after the events of Daredevil number 36, the end of that, that the first volume of the Mark Wade volume. So those are a couple of I mean, that's not all of them because I don't want to give away the farm. Mm-hmm. But uh, Daredevil number five is definitely one I think that needs to be revisited before we get there. The other ones I think people are going to be reading. So I'm not really worried about uh, bringing those up too much. Um, best graphic novel. Oh, I got a couple for this. Uh, I mean, I think there's going to be one that's on all of our lists that I don't know if we even have to, to bring up right now. Steve's like, Steve's like, what? Seconds. No, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. On, it's yeah. on my list. It's on my short list. <laughs> but Bob, what else do you, are you thinking? Oh, I've got Zatanna Black Canary Blood Spells. Okay. Yep. Joe Canonis and Paul Dini, which I just love the crap out mm-hmm. of. And I am just only about halfway through something I picked up at New York Comic Con from Gail Simone, Leaving Megalopolis. Okay. Which is about a world where the superheroes have gone really, really nutty. And it is a, I said before, it's the cape and watchman crossed into each other. Mm-hmm. And it's a nasty piece of work. Interesting. I got to read that after you're, after you're yeah. done with it. Absolutely. Steve, what do you got? You said you had a few. Yeah, I got a couple. Um, I am. I mean, I don't know that it will win, but nobody else has read it yet. Uh, I'm definitely going to be uh, bringing up Sing No Evil from J.P. Ahonen and K.P. Allaire. Uh, I read that book earlier this year around Comic-Con, and it was it is just phenomenal. Um, Naja, that book that's, that uh, Stephanie and I had talked about, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a, you know, anime-ish, uh, Kill Bill uh, personality mm-hmm. disorder kind of thing, really super engaging and fun. Uh, and also, I think Stephanie will bring this one up too, uh, is a book that you guys have yet to read called uh, In Real Life, is a very, very, oh, right, yes. very powerful book and very important book. Uh, I would say, um, but all then all, all your you know stuff that I we would expect to be on on the list. Mm-hmm. All right, cool, um, nice. So let me read out a couple more of some of the uh, our, uh, our our listeners. Um, this one is from. This is a very long Captain Saxon again. Um, best one shot single issue is Robin Rises Omega, um, and Multiversity Pax Americana, and, and uh, best graphic novel he wrote in in real life as well. Nice. So I'm saying he could be he or she. I don't. I do not know. <laughs> Incredible D. Um, so uh, be- <laughs> best one shot single issue Southern Bastards number four. Ooh. Had there. It doesn't have a best graphic novel um, vote on this one. Let's see here. Graphic novel uh, Nemo: The Roses of Berlin. Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill. This is let Lenny read. Put that in mm. there. Um, Captain Superior uh, says seconds. We've said that, and uh, single issue one shot also said Southern Bastards number four, so a lot of, a lot of votes for Southern mm. Bastards number four. Um, that was a really crazy issue. Graphic novel. This is uh, Barefoot Root says Cleopatra in space, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. Best one shot single issue Amazing X Men number seven. Um, best one shot single issue. This is from sorry, but this is from Tony says saga number 24 which is also really really good yeah rocket raccoon number one which was awesome as well and pretty deadly number one but pretty deadly was in 2013 right the first issue first issue was last two this yeah, yeah no i'm saying that yeah. he had put specifically number one on here okay so that's, no that was last yeah year. best graphic novel seconds by brian leo malley um let's see here best graphic novel this is from tundra el nino um, which is Christian Parison and Boro Pavlovic, published by Humanoids. Best one-shot single issue, Multiversity, Pax Americana, or Marvel 100th Anniversary Special Avengers, number one. Mm. All right. So 
let's move on to uh, another category we can we can we can talk about um best miniseries bob do you have a few yeah uh winter soldier bitter march yes very nice 60s spy thrill i got to see some bucky action and some real humanity from him in that one it was, it was really a nice change of pace from all the regular stuff and a nice setting too yeah uh legends of red sonia the sort of anthology wraparound story of and so many great creators on that enjoyed the heck out of that of course multiversity is going to show up in mm-hmm. our listening does afterlife with archie count as a miniseries no it's an ongoing okay it's even ongoing. if they're not ongoing at the moment yeah no it's ongoing because okay. it, it's not it's not it's going to be number seven when it comes out or what have you and it's a continuing story i mean i when i say when you say we say ongoing it's published as an ongoing series oh, yeah. you know so even something that got canceled is still technically an ongoing series yeah, know, if it, you know a, if it i was only kidding yes <laughs> um i love the as opposed to the justice inc that's coming out now chris roberson's doc savage time travel man of bronze series earlier this year was really really a lot of fun and book was Evelyn did some great art on that and i'm the only one reading it but what the heck <laughs> <laughs> i think there are a couple of those this year well i mean that's one. this is one yeah. of the things too where stuff like this like the miniseries and graphic novels they're good the reason we have these discussions right is because no we're not reading doc savage but if you think it's going to be one on your three mm-hmm. then that's one of those things where you go okay guys you should probably just, like take a look at it and try to read it so that we you know, you can at least know whether or not you like it or not. So when we get into the discussions, mm-hmm. something that mm-hmm. we can bring up, and we build in time, obviously after we do the the actual deliberations, to have time to catch up on things and and vote. But you know, if you really, really believe strongly in something, at least to be nominated, you want to try to get as many people to read it as possible, or or be really good at campaigning for it to be yeah. able to get it onto the onto the list. You know, if if no one else is reading anything, so stuff like graphic novels are important. Because there are there are things you know, um, like uh, in real life, Ornaja yeah. that I want to read that I I want to be able to know whether or not I love it or not, um, and so now knowing that they're gonna probably gonna be on, they're probably gonna be shared, yeah, uh, between you and Stephanie, I want to be able to read them and make sure that I you know. All right. Well, I, I'll uh, bring my yeah. copies. In. Yeah, I'm 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 up on them and and know them. Um. All right. So. Best story arc. Oh, best miniseries. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to press hard for Forever Evil in best miniseries. That's okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Stephanie will be the one that I, we have to press the most. <laughs> to, to, I kind of want to bring um, that series I read. I just finished up Pop that I was reading mm-hmm. for a bit, but I I don't know if that's it. I, th- I feel like it's a little bit too tailored uh, to me, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. Well, yeah, we, you never know at all. Oh, it's so weird. You never, you never, never know. It's so weird. See, I'd lean, oddly affecting. I'd lean toward multiversity, but does it count as a series when it's a series of one shots? Yeah, it's still, it's still a mini series. Okay, because it, it's eight issues, right? Eight issues that are telling a story, mm. albeit in a very non-conventional <laughs> yeah, way. It's still, it's still that. Okay, you know. Um, well, story arc. I interrupted. No, it's all right. It's all okay. right. Absolutely. It, no, it's fine. Um, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about story arcs. That, that we've we've got going on here. So, um, Steve, what story arcs have you been loving? I got nothing. You got nothing. I have. I'm sorry. I have nothing written down. <laughs> um, oh God, I really. I, I. You're gonna have to come back to me. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now that I'm. Uh, you know, um, this latest 
run of Saga, this latest arc of Saga, I think is fantastic. Um, I guess it's like 18 to 24, Yeah, I think is, is what it would be. Forever Evil, the same thing. See, I there are there's stuff that I could talk about. I don't, I'm trying not to give away too much for when we do the shows, but there are definitely series that are going to be making an appearance. Saga's on a different list right uh for me i the story arc is for me is is tough like i have to go back i like i said i have pictures taken of of my stuff that i get every week i'm i haven't had the time to sit down with that folder yet and Mm -hmm. go through all of those to pick out story arcs i mean i i just it's it's so crazy there's so much this year's i feel is harder than the previous two to pick stuff um nail biter yeah. It's, it's close for me. Um, Weekend the Divine as well is also it's also on, on that close to that list of that the first arc of that, um, and obviously some of the more um, obvious ones as well, which we ha- we haven't brought up. Uh, Something from Thor. What about you, Bo? We'll be in there. Uh, it's, I always try to find a way to title the things, you know. So mm-hmm. it's, it is. Uh, I'm sure they all have so, titles, and I'm going to go back and look at all those titles. Right. When I was well, there's always these yeah, the graphic novel ends up yes. throwing the you know the trade paperback. Uh, the first bit of Silver Surfer, what I'm describing as New Dawn. New Dawn, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I just really loved a lot. The last, it's, I guess it's 7 to 12 of Red Sonja, where she's collecting the artisans to try to save you know, thousands of slaves from being murdered. You get to see so much more of her than we even before in the first six for Gail Simone. So just love the heck out of that. To go back to very early in the year, it's the way Fantastic Four and FF wound up. Mm-hmm. It was sort of two or three issues of a finale with the, the issue 16s actually need to be read oh, I got one. open side by side because the books intersect mm-hmm. page by page, which is just very, very clever and very well done, very heartfelt. Mm-hmm. So that's some crazy ones for me. Okay. Steve? Uh, Outcast. Oh, yeah. Outcast has been really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, Outcast has been great. I mean, I have to go back and still do some prep work and, and look at stuff, but... I'm just gonna go through the image release list and I'll <laughs> Can I put um No Deadly Class. The first the first arc of Deadly Class. You could, yeah. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. <laughs> that is definitely qualifying. Okay. Uh, uh, on there. It was this year. Yeah, so definitely this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh I mean there's something like a pretty deadly as well, which we didn't include last year because I feel like what was it just one issue that had been out or was it two? I think it was just one. Which is one before the yeah. before, before the before oh. the new year. So there's a, there, that book mm-hmm. is obviously going to be a big player, I think, um, in the in, in the in the award season this year for yeah. talking comics, uh, much to probably some people's chagrin uh, <laughs> of our <laughs> listeners. Um, yes, yeah, Steve. I'm going to say the first arc of Electra, mm. first story arc. There's a lot mm-hmm. to offer in that in that story. Uh. Best new series, a big one. I feel like every year this this list gets bigger and bigger and bigger because it, it just seems like there's new books every every time we turn our turn our heads. Yeah, and more than ever with all these relaunches. Yes, which we're <laughs> we're gonna have to make an executive decision on one of these yeah. days when they start just renumbering every other month. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I could maybe nominate an uh, obvious one, Gotham Academy. Right, Gotham Academy, and this is where we get into weird things. So this is where, and obviously we're not. Um, we're not debating anything yet, but just looking forward, as we all know how this thought process goes, and I'm going to ask this more in depth after we get done just kind of going over our, our supposed nominees. When we get down to it, like, if you love the the probably two issues of Gotham Academy by the time we record our our, our podcast, our, mm. our end of the year awards yeah. podcast. There's two right now. I don't think the third will be out before we record that. Today. 
Is the third one out today? Really? Today. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. So there'll be three out. So that's a little different story. But when you start looking at stuff like we have Gotham Academy on a list and that that's had three issues. And let's say we have something like, I don't know, um, Ms. Marvel or Black Science or something else on, the, on that list for best new series, which have significant runs for the year. Right. How you start weighing those things against each other is going to be very interesting as as we as we get into those deliberations. Yeah, because I mean that's where I get personally where I get muddy is the ongoing series versus new series. Mm. You know, like I I would uh, say Ms. Marvel would be best ongoing. Well, it can be both, okay. but it's also new. It started this year. Yeah. Okay, it's it's a new series as well. So anything can be. You know, best new series just has to be a new ongoing series. That's that's all it, it has to be, um, it, and so it can also be nominated for ongoing, which has happened in, mm-hmm. in the past for us. Um, you know, obviously, witches is very new, but that's one of the ones that for me that's kind of yeah. is, is bubbling near the surface. We'll see what happens as as it goes along. Bob, is there some other new ones? Sure, uh, Lumberjanes. Okay, which I just love the heck out of. Mm-hmm. Very sort of different for me, and just really took to it very 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 quickly i'd like to throw a good word in for sensation comics okay that that there is a a wonder woman book on the stands that i can actually read and feel good about makes me happy well that can also make some hay in in web 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 digital oh yeah yeah, it's on that list for me too absolutely cool awesome no that's great to hear that's great uh yeah i mean and also this is good too because this is one of those times where like I definitely think that possibly like nail biter and stuff is something that mm-hmm. um, will give you know Bob you get a chance to read that stuff and it's it's a good exchange period for for that stuff mm-hmm. as well. I just like to throw velvet in that. Oh yeah, absolutely. We should throw that in there because I do. I want to read that anyway. I want to get caught up on that. So that'd be a good thing, good reason to do that. Um. All right. So let's talk about best artist. Let's throw some names out. What do I got here? What do we got here? Bob, throw some names out for us. Phil Noto. Okay. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Emma Rio, certainly. Mm-hmm. Michael and Laura all read as a team. Yeah, I'm going to break some rules, but they're, I think they're a team. We'll just have to make it the Mike Allred Memorial Award. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> uh, Francesco, Frank Avila, of course, you know, he does for every company. It seems every book's got his art in it at one point or another during yeah. the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emma Rios. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I've got Gabriel Rodriguez. His work mm. on uh, the Little Nemo book mm. is just out of this world, uh, and he was he was on New Artist last year, but uh, Chip Zdarsky, oh yeah, be considered for for Best Artist totally. Um, and um, Mike Del Mundo, Mike Allred, mm-hmm. um, those are some names that I might I might consider. Yeah, I mean, you said a lot of the names that obviously that I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, Fiona Staples, Chris Samney, mm-hmm. um, Greg Capullo still deserves to be. You know, to be talked about in, in this as well. Um, I really, really have been liking uh, what Aaron Cooter was doing uh, on Action Comics. I think his art is is really, really is really, really great. Um, you know, it's it's funny because if if you had asked me when we when we read that first issue of Sandman Overture Number One that it yes. wouldn't we, we wouldn't be talking about it right now, I would have said you were crazy. Two issues have come out. <laughs> three. Yeah. Oh, three. Three. Okay, I didn't get the third one because I was like, I can't. I don't know. How, uh, the same word. Third. Third one is is in my covers. So yeah, <laughs> three. Three is. Uh, it's gonna get nominated somehow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so J. H. Williams are in that is obviously breathtaking, but he did three of them. You know, and so it doesn't yeah. doesn't you don't get to be there. No, and the momentum is so lost from the publishing schedule. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 
If it were a graphic novel, it probably win. If it had come out yeah, as, a, oh, yeah. as a graphic novel, we probably have all selected it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I think there'll be more names added to this list, obviously, as as we go along, um, as we add Stephanie into the mix as well. Uh, let's see, best writer, Another best new writer or best no best did, writer best writer. We did the breakthroughs. We did the breakthroughs already. Gail Simone for writer between uh, I'm assuming that we from what you said about leaving Megalopolis that it's going to be amazing yeah. but um, her stuff with the movement earlier in the year uh, was wonderful uh, her handling of Batgirl mm-hmm. uh, was fantastic and she's she's got a lot of a lot of good books uh, and um, what's it, what comes out today uh, Secret Six number Secret one Six starts comes again. out today it's true it's very true but what about you what do you got there well to throw Edward in Sonia. something beyond the expected yeah, yeah of course uh, yeah Al Ewing. Okay. Mighty Avengers, after my long talk before, Mighty Avengers is the best Avengers book that came out for me this year. <laughs> and it, what should have looked like just a tokenism sort of book turned into a very enjoyable read with really wonderful characters. Yeah, he's definitely on my uh, my breakout list, My you know, the, the, the kind of short list that I have of, the, of those writers. I've really loved uh, Loki, Agent of Asgard. I think he's done a really, really great job of that. And I had really high expectations for that book um, coming off of the Karen Gillan stuff. And, and he's done a really, really worthwhile job and, and kept up the same sort of high-wire act of intelligence that was happening you know, over mm-hmm. there. So uh, it's, it's been really, really great. Um, I think we will see some veteran names on our list that have been on our list before mm-hmm. because we... we tend to we, we do it ourselves and i know everyone out there does too i think at a certain level you take consistency for granted yes yeah absolutely people take and that's what we, we i try to try to make sure we don't do on this show and these things is that like we know it's more exciting if we nominate new people and new series every year but the point of fact is if daredevil is one of the five best series every year then it belongs in the nominations for the five best right. series every year. It doesn't matter that there's new stuff that's great. That's what the best new series is for. And some of those series will graduate and and make it to the best ongoings. Some of them will be there both, you know, for both ones. But just because something's new and, and shiny doesn't mean it gets to replace the stuff that is consistently great. If it's better, then absolutely. I also mm-hmm. don't want things to be installed in places and not be able to get out. Like, it, it's not like, you know... Batman, Daredevil, and Saga are always in the top, always in the top five, and we have two spots to deal with. Right. What we saw last year that's definitely not the case. Yeah. But you know, there, there's there, there's got to be room for both. But I do really feel like you can't discount consistent greatness because mm-hmm. yeah. it, it it just it you're being disingenuous. Then look in sports, Michael Jordan won how many Most Valuable Player right. awards, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Wayne Gretzky in, in hockey? If you're the best player, no matter whether you've won it before or not, well, you. Deserve it, you get it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, and I do want to say, I, I think that some of our listeners had mentioned Cullen Bunn from Breakthrough Writer, and I don't know if he's going to be on my three, but Cullen Bunn has had a hell of a year yeah. um, this year, doing some really great stuff across you know all the different mm-hmm. publishers. Empty Man has been great. He's done really... Magneto has been a hundred times better than it ever should have been. <laughs> you know, thinking about that series mm-hmm. as a whole... Did great things with Sinestro, you know. He 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 just Deadpool, D- Deadpool as well. All of those miniseries, which are always great, that he just does a, a fantastic job with. Just a great writer, and he's had a great year. You know, 
Is it going to match up to some of the really big ones that we're going to probably bust out? I don't know. But I think he deserves to be mentioned, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about him a, a little bit more. And obviously we didn't mention – if you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they mentioned that person. We know. They're on the list that's sitting in front of us. We just don't yes. want to say them right now because we're <laughs> going to talk about them plenty when, when, when we'll we get to save it. them. Yes. Um, so here's the thing. I don't know – if we should go into best ongoing, um, but I have like a whole list for that one. Oh, you do? Okay, that, let's do well, it then. <laughs> let's do it then. Let's read off some of the ones. Don't read off maybe you know all of your your tops, but read off something as they're filling out your list that you're that are in your consideration. Um, I'll read two. Okay. Oh, well, all right. Uh, Sex criminals. Okay. For sure. And uh, Thor, God of Thunder. All right. I'm that's that's all I'm giving you. Okay. Okay. I got like nine more, but give us some more. No, you don't get to see them. Okay, <laughs> uh, You're only gonna bring three to the table when we do the actual night. This is the all right. T- I'll give you two more: Ms. Marvel and Saga. Okay. All right, Bob. What do you got for some for us? For the sort of under the radar picks. Yeah. Rocket Girl. Okay. Bandit. Okay. Is Rocket Girls had what like how many issues this year? Three. Okay, three. Yeah, yeah. He said it's the he said it's the outs- outskirts. It's the, the outskirts, you yeah. know. Uh, but Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. I need to catch up on Silver Surfer. So good. I'm I'm, I'm behind on that. Um, sheltered. Okay, good. That's good to know. I'll throw sheltered out there. Oh yeah, that that it's gonna be that's gonna be talked about. <laughs> That looks okay. so good. Yeah. I will talk about some of my canceled comics cavalcade in this category. <laughs> yeah, we should have a category for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All the series that went, that got the can from the Bob Curse. Yep. The Bob Curse Award. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we should do that. And we'll leave Best of World Comic out of it because, I mean, that's going to be an amalgamation of everything yeah. else we, we already talked about. What I want to talk about uh, really quickly, though, to kind of wrap up this little discussion is... I'm sure we talked about it before, but I think it's going to refresh people if if they don't know. What is your criteria when you're thinking about what you're going to nominate? You know, do you, do you do it all on an emotional basis? Do you detach yourself a little bit? I mean, Bob, what's your process? Little of both. If a book touches me, that really I, I end up laughing out loud or I'm crying at the end of it, that's going to get a little check mark, and that's going to be something I want to revisit. There are others that are just great technical pieces of work. You say, wow, didn't expect that. Or delivered something, again, Al Ewing's Mighty Avengers, Gail Simone's The Movement, where it was this could have been one thing and it turned into something so much better than any of my anticipated loves for it. That means something too. Mm-hmm. So little of both. Art's a, art itself, though, is different. Art is just has to be, it grabs you. It instantly hits you and I want... I want more of those covers are that way. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, we we talked about you know not ignoring greatness, continued greatness, and also not having something on there as a token. Do you find yourself just in your kind of personal deliberations finding it difficult not to put things at the top just because they're things that you love that you've always put there? They're in the bigger list always mm-hmm. because if it's something I don't buy as many books as you guys mm-hmm. do, so my list is smaller month to month. So on a on a the short long list or the long short list, certain things are going to turn up. Will they end up being as part of the nomination process, even if they've had a good year? If there's something that made more of an impact, I think it's more about impact in that case. Right. See, what about you? How do you go about 
nominating your stuff? Do you go purely on gut? Do you go try to remove yourself a little bit and try to look like, technically at stuff? What what, what What's your process? I, um, obviously, you, you nominate something you want it to win. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> I do a lot of it based on, you know, on personal preference and whatnot. But um, for the most part, and why, it, why I don't have a lot of answers for our categories as of yet is because I actually try to get into everybody's head just a little bit. Um, because not only do I want to nominate stuff, I want to nominate stuff that is going to spark conversation. Like, I know what I love, and I know sometimes that stuff that I really care about, like, I'm the only one reading it. Like, I'm the only one keeping up with Alex and Ada. Alex and Ada is huge on my list. Um, so... I try to I try to nominate things or I try to keep it to like what do I know that everybody's at least had a taste of or would be mm-hmm. willing to read before we did, you know we pick our things and whatnot because if I bring up something like pop like the the likelihood of you know three other people enjoying it on the level that I have is very slim it's very particular uh, it speaks to kind of my mindset about certain things that I know for a fact that, you know, you, Bob and Stephanie do not share. So why bother? Mm. Um, I'm also somebody who just like last year and this year, again, I'm very much content to bring stuff to the table just to have it um, mentioned Mm. and talked about that. Even if it doesn't win or doesn't make it to the short list, it was at least recognized and had its moment in the sun to be like, you know, Hey, you know, this was at least worth mentioning and, you know, it didn't win, but you know, you should probably check it out because I, you know, we were speaking very passionately about it. Um, art doesn't necessarily, art's kind of its own thing. Uh, I try to think about all the comics that really stopped and made me think, you know, something like witches, which is terrifying. I, there aren't a whole lot of comics like lock and key. Maybe, there aren't a whole hell of a lot of comics that can actually unnerve me, and I'm pretty sure that that happened unanimously. Excuse me, between the four of us, that I know if I bring that to the table, that everybody will at least recall that initial sensation of dread and be like, you know, like wow, yeah, when I, when I read Witches, like that really kind of messed with me, and it'll you'll ruminate on it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I try to I try to to, to bring things to the table that I feel will be enjoyed by the group or at least considered by the group. Um, something like Naja, like Naja is pretty big. Um, it's not super big. It's totally, you know, you, you can read it and I think you'll enjoy it. Um, it's extraordinarily cinematic and extraordinarily beautiful uh, to look at. I just don't know that it's better than something like Seconds. Like Seconds struck a chord with everyone. So I feel like I almost kind of know the winners before we even get down to business, but it's all about the arguments mm, and everybody's yeah. positions on those books. Um, and also, especially you, Bobby, you have a tendency to throw curveballs <laughs> where you'll say like, you know, blah, blah, blah is my favorite book of the, and I'm like, what? <laughs> w- really? And, you know, and then you get into it and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is the last thing I'll say because I know we're trying to wrap up. Um, I very much look forward to the deliberations and the conversations because like Bob going through a couple of books tonight, I have a whole, you know, notepads worth of stuff that I wrote down just from people writing in Mm -hmm. that I forgot about Robbie Rodriguez. How the hell did I forget about him? Absolutely. Like, that's awesome. So, you know, all of that stuff. But, uh, 
long-winded as usual. I'm going to pass you the talking <laughs> stick because I'll never shut up. But the deliberations are my favorite part as well. I mean, the, the, yeah. there have been times, right? I think one of the things when I brought up, because you'd you'd read it and talked about it when I brought up Strange Attractors. Oh God. You were so surprised that it was like going to be like I think it ended up being on our list, our short list of top. Books I think it won. No, it won that miniseries. Okay, one shot, but I think it got nominated for best overall right. comic. Um, I love those moments, and I love because sometimes I fall more in love with a book talking about it than I even was just reading it. Yeah, so I love that that part. As far as picking nominations, I'll often go gut first, then look through and start saying, okay. But are you keeping it on there? Like, it, it happened last year. It's happening again this year. Like, I'm going to write my gut of my top five series. and in, in the top three, I guarantee you Daredevil and Batman are going to be there. Yeah. And I'm going to say to myself, okay, do they deserve to still be here? Or are you, if you look at issue by issue and beat by beat, or are you just writing the continued greatness of the book? And, and you know, Batman, maybe it was great all year, but was it as great as this other series? You know, or are you just thinking about how great it was, and this year is really good, but not quite as great, and you have to start, you know, you have to, like, jostle it in your brain. Batman's always a struggle. Like, that was one of the things I was going to mention and mm. forgot. I, I love Batman book. I love Scott Snyder writing. Greg Capullo's art, again, this year has gotten even better than the previous year, which is ridiculous. You know, he's watching him grow on that book has been amazing, mm-hmm. but... At the same time, I feel like a nomination for Batman, and we were talking about consistency before and recognizing it. I completely agree with you. I just, I feel like putting Batman up into that thing is just, it's an automatic win, especially when we when we leave it up to, to the audience. Well, the audience might vote for Batman, but right. for our personal, you know, deliberations, yeah. the thing about it is like, it being something the fans are going to vote for, or it being something that's always been there, I don't find as a reason not to put it there. It's right. just, it's a, but, but the thing is like, even for me, sometimes I think that exact same way and I have to break through that thinking, but I also have to break through the other way, which is it shouldn't just be there because it's supposed to, because I think it's supposed to be there. I have to actually look and, at it. And it yeah. should not be there just because it shouldn't be there. Exactly. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough call. thing to, to balance, you know, art, like you're saying art is, it's gotta be great art, but there, that mean, can mean a thousand things to a thousand people. Yeah. So for me, it very much goes off of, just gut and and what I love to look at, you know. When, it, when we start, it all it all matters more when you get down to the 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 granular placing things in different places because you look at writer, and we've said this for years. It's like the the award isn't most writer, right? It is it isn't the one who writes the most things, mm-hmm. you know. But when you get down to it, you have to look at you have to think about here's this guy's entire body of work or this girl's entire body of work for the year. And let's say he or she wrote three things. Then there's this other person's body of work. Let's say Brian K. Vaughn. They write one thing. Is that one thing better than the collective whole and enjoyment you get out of those three things? And the answer is yes, and they deserve to be there. If it's not, then they don't deserve to be there. So it's tough, you know, because it's tough to say, it's tough to penalize Brian K. Vaughn mm-hmm. for writing one book because he wants to write one book. And he writes a fucking fantastic book. Yes, he does. You know, it's one of the best books out there. If his one thing or her one thing is transcendent, mm-hmm. that's fine. Right. And that, that yeah. then deserves to have the spotlight put on it. Right. So here's one thing, though. I think on the creative end of things, we can level the playing field about books we may not want to nominate by looking at those creators. And then their works 
right. which were consistently great, but may not to the pinnacle of something else, but then three good things mm-hmm. equal out something else. Right. Oh, there's math involved. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you look, right, you look at, I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about Ms. Marvel in this whole process. Mm-hmm. That's a book for me, which like I love it, and I didn't even think about it. I wrote it down like almost every single thing it could be nominated for. It was written down, and then but then it's just like with that book I do with Batman. It's like almost the opposite, right? Because Ms. Marvel is this new, trailblazing, important feeling, um, fantastic book, and I have to you know then you have to balance like okay, like socially it means a ton, and it's it's awesome what they're doing. But I, when I think about the, the, the rankings, of, I have to kind of throw out the stuff that's not about comics like out the window. You know, right. I have to go like, this isn't, this isn't in the comic, right. so I need, to, I need to throw it out. So then I go, what's left? And, you know, in the case of Ms. Marvel, it's still a fantastic book with right. great art and great writing. And then you go, okay, now it belongs to be like in the discussion with right. these things. Because it, it's, not, it's not best meta-narrative of a book. You know, it's just, you have to judge it by the art, you know, like, you know, the writing, the art, whatever it might be. So, and this is only, I'm saying this is only for like the site, the site stuff, your personal top 10 lists, it's like whatever goes, goes. Yeah, well, we're going to have those too. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just talking more like when you bring it to, when you're going to put a stamp on something and say, this is the site's best book of the year, (laughs) you know, there's a different sort of um, criteria that goes along with it. Yeah. That's why you have multiple people arguing it but i never think that you should come at something i never come at something with like well technically this has the best lines and you know you have to come out with heart you have to come with passion or what's the point you know you can't just go by just brains alone on that stuff it all works itself out it does last year went pretty smoothly it did absolutely if i remember correctly it did well last year was was very nicely done the year before we had some we had had a bugs to iron out (laughs) J.H. Williams almost ended our podcast. Um, yes. <laughs> so I'm just going through really quickly some more listener stuff. Oh, great. Um, so this is from, this is Tundra. It says, uh, uh, best overall comic, uh, Velvet. Uh, best ongoing series, Injustice Gods Among Us. Nice. Best writer, Ed Brubaker. Best artist, Jamie McKelvey. Best new series, Velvet. Best story arc, Southern Bastards, number one through four. We brought that up. Best miniseries, Starlight. Um, oh, that's the uh, Mark Miller, right? Yes, uh-huh. Parlov miniseries. Um, let's see here. He says, uh, best cover, The Sandman Overture, number two. Uh, best web digital comic, Injustice Gods Among Us. Uh, best publisher, Image. This is from Tony. You put a lot of recommendations. Best overall comic, Saga, East of West, Rat Queens, Rocket Raccoon, The Private Eye, Shudder, Sex Criminals, Black Science, and The Wake. Um, best ongoing series: Saga, East of West, Rat Queens, Rocket Raccoon, Shudder, Sex Criminals, Black Science. Um, best writers: Curtis Weeb, Scotty Young, Matt Fraction, Kelly Sudaconic, Gail Simone, Joe Keating, Kieran Gillen, Scott Snyder, Brian K. Vaughn, Charles Soule, Jason Aaron, Jonathan Hickman, and Rick Remender. Um, artists: J.H. Williams III, Mike Del Mundo, Bill Noto, Marcos Martin, Fiona Staples, Emma Rios, Declan Shelby, Sean Murphy, Scotty Young. Nick Dragata, Matteo Scalera, Rock Up Church, Sean Phillips, Matthew Reynolds, that's the Mercenary C, because I didn't recognize that name, Greg Ticini, Lowe, Goran Parlov, and Steve Cummings, who is the Wayward artist. <laughs> so wow. a, lot. Did a lot. And he also like listed like the what books they wrote and stuff in, in this awesome. as well. Uh, best new series, Rocket Raccoon, Shudder, She-Hulk, 
Copperhead, The Wicked and the Divine, Moon Knight, Rat Queens, Sex Criminals, Zero, Pretty Deadly, Black Science, and The Private Eye. Best Story Arc, Saga, 18-24, East of West, 11-15, The Private Eye, 1-9, through 9, Red Sonia, 7-12, Rocket Raccoon, number 1-4, through 4, Fatal, 20-24, Black Science, 1-6, through 6, Shutter, 1-6, through 6, Starlight, 1-6. through 6. Starting to see a pattern here. Yes. <laughs> um, bare, uh, Barefoot Root, uh, Best Overall Comic, Rocket Raccoon, Best Ongoing Series, Saga, Best Writer, Dan Slott, Best Artist, Amy Reader or Scotty Young, Best New Series, Rocket Raccoon, uh, Best Miniseries, Edge of Spider-Verse, um okay best cover miles morales ultimate spider-man number two amy reader variant ah oh, that is a nice cover best web digital comic the oatmeal um best publisher <laughs> okay well i got the oatmeal the oatmeal just, is fun yeah uh, just from the name i need to know about the oatmeal captain superior says best overall comic thor god of thunder best ongoing series southern bastards so you can guess who their best writer was yeah <laughs> if it was thor and southern bastards Jason Aaron. Yes. Um, best artist, Francesco Francavilla. Uh, best new series, Deadly Class. Best yes. story arc, Thor, God of Thunder, The Last Days of Midgard. There you go. Uh, best miniseries, Translucid. Uh, Ooh. Be- best graphic novel, Seconds. Best one-shot single issue, Southern Bastards, number four. And I read out the others already. Oh, best web digital comic, Sensation Comics. People Ooh. really, really dug that fourth issue of Southern Bastards. Yeah, I'm going to reread it. I've read it, and it was it was great, but I didn't realize that it struck that much of a chord with everybody. Um, Lenny Reed says, best overall comic, Saga. Best ongoing series, Lazarus. Best writer, Scott Snyder. Best artist, Mateo Scalera. Best new series, Inhuman. Uh, <laughs> best nice. story arc, Southern Bastards. Here was a man. Um, best miniseries, Transformers Windblade. I never thought I'd be nominating a Transformers <laughs> comic. Uh, let's see. We got best one-shot single issue, American Vampire Second Cycle, number five. All right. Um, and best web digital comic, The Private Eye, as they have here. Hugh says that best overall comic of the year is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know. Hugh is crazy. Um, <laughs> sorry, Hugh, but you're crazy. Cowabunga, man. Incredible D. <laughs> best overall comic, Southern Bastards. Best ongoing series, wow. Saga. Best writer, Jason Aaron. Best artist, Fiona Staples. Best new series, Southern Bastards or Ms. Marvel. Um, best story arc, Southern Bastards, number one through four. Wow. Best miniseries, Starlight. Best one-shot single issue, Southern Bastards, number four. Best breakthrough writer, G. G. Willow Wilson. Breakthrough artist, Russell Dowderman. Um, couple couple nominations for Saga, number 24 for the cover as well. Um, Captain Saxon, best overall comic, Batman and Robin, Batman Saga, Magneto, Walking Dead. Best ongoing, Batman and Robin, Batman Saga, New Avengers, Action Comics. Best writer, Scott Snyder, Colin Bunn, Gail Simone, Jeff Johns, Rick Remender. Best artist, J.H. Williams III, Jason Fabook, Jim Lee, Greg Capullo, Aaron Cooter. Best new series, Low, Sabrina, Witches, Magneto, and Star-Spangled War Stories featuring G.I. Zombie. That is a good book. Um, I really love Sabrina, but there's been only been one issue, so it's really tough yeah, to I nominate don't, I don't or something. Know that's gonna uh, best story arc, one. Robin Rises, which has been very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magneto, the, the first arc of Magneto. Um, the latest issue, the latest arc of Saga, Batgirl, the end of Gail Simone's mm-hmm. run, and Forever Evil. Um, best miniseries, Forever Evil and Annihilator. Annihilator was that Grant Morrison crazy-ass thing that I was talking about. Right. Um, let's see. Is that over? Um, I think it's only, th- is it three issues? I think the third issue came out. It's not very long. Hmm. It's only a few issues long. So that's everybody on the forums um, who wrote in. We got a bunch of Facebooky ones as well. Um of course, the app relaunches once I open it up. Uh, uh, Maria uh, Maria Norris says, Through the Woods, 
Southern Bastards number four, Spider Gwen, Saga, uh, Ms. Marvel and Gotham Academy, John Callahan the fourth, The Private Eye. Um, oh, apparently also this is just, this is just the mess of my favorite tweets from today. If I was talking comics, um, there's apparently a rumor that Stan Lee is actually playing Uatu in all of the Marvel movies that he's in. What? Wait, a minute. okay, so <laughs> when he's Willie Lumpkin, yeah, <laughs> he's actually the Watch. <laughs> well, I don't know about. Those the movies. Fox, okay. Yeah, the, Marvel the Marvel movies. movies. <laughs> so when he's drinking soda with with gamma juice, yeah, in it, yeah, yeah. He's actually the watch. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, Sammy Casal says, Nailbiter, Outcast, Thor, Birthright, and Southern Bastards. Uh, Daniel Hoover, The Wicked and the Divine, Nailbiter, Silver Surfer. Richard Mantool, uh, Electra, the the best <laughs> series no one seems to be reading. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, at Naughty Line says, aside from the obvious, I think Trees is as fascinating. As it is prickly, hope it gains momentum when trade comes out. Kudos for using the word prickly. Um, Sifu Mustache says, Punks, Gotham Academy, Witches, Avatar, The Last, Airbender, The Rift, Translucid, and Rocket Raccoon. Uh, Randy Ochoa says, Ms. Marvel should be should be the top of every list. Uh, Michael Karen says, The new run of Stray Bullets, Genius Return to Form by David Laplam. Uh, Matthew Sibley says, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, Daredevil, Serenity, Leaves on the Wind, Winter Soldier, The Bitter March. Infinity Watcher, Rocket Raccoon, All Edge of Spider-Verse, Inhuman, Witches, and Rasputin. Uh, Michael Cairns is uh, Rachel Rising by Terry Moore. Art, brilliant story, stunning art. Connor Blake, volume one of all new Ghost Rider. Incredible art, great story. Um, and with a, I'm not sure what POC means. With a POC lead, I'm going to guess it means... Person of color. Person of color, okay. Person of color lead and thoughtful portrayal of a disabled person. Um, yeah. All right. So thank you, everybody who wrote yeah. in. We got a ton of responses and a ton of ideas as well. Some stuff to catch up on to make sure I'm going to have to reread the first arc of Southern Bastards. Does sound yeah, like apparently. that's a groundswell happening. Yes, absolutely. I really enjoyed it, but I mean, me too. I've for no- so many people that be mentioning it. Obviously, I missed something. Yeah, I'm going to have to reread it. Um, but let's talk about the books that are on the shelves today. Let's see here. Let's see. From Avatar Press, Cross Badlands, number 67. Cross Plus 100, number one. 100? Really? Yeah. Uh, Dark Gods, number two. Extinction Parade War, number five. Uber, number 20. And War Stories, number three. Um, Let's see. From Boom Studios, we've got Adventure Time, number 34. Cloaks, number 404. Escape from New York, number one. Evil Empire, number eight. Fairy Quest Outcasts, number two. Fiction Squad, number three. Garfield, number 32. Robocop, number six. Uncle Grandpa, number three. And The Woods, number eight. From Dark Horse Comics, Alien vs. Predator, Fire and Stone, number three of four. Angel and Faith, season 10, number nine. Uh, Ghost, number 10. Ghost Fleet, number two. Hellboy and the BPRD, number one. New series mm. Um, mm. starting. <laughs> mm. Uh, Mighty Traherback, uh, and that is it for Dark Horse. For DC Comics, Action Comics number 37, Aquaman and the Others number 8, Batman Eternal number 35, Detective Comics number 37, Earth 2 number 29, Earth 2 World's End number 9, Ferris number 32, Flash Season 0 number 3, Gotham Academy number 3, Grayson, number five. Green Arrow, number 37. Green Lantern, number 37. Hinterkind, number 13. 
Um, Injustice Gods Among Us Year 3, number 5. Justice League 3000, number 12. Lobo, number 3. Looney Tunes, number 222. Um, oh, Movement, Volume 2, Fighting for the Future. Trey Hurtback is out today. Oh. Out today. Names, number 4 of 9. New 52, Features End, number 31. Um, let's see. Boop, boop, boop. Secret Six, number 1. Uh, Sinestro, number 7. Swamp Thing, number 37. And Wolf Moon, number 1. From Dynamite Entertainment, Army of Darkness, Volume 4, number 1, with 17 covers. Uh, nice. Battlestar Galactica, The Death of Apollo, number 1. Uh, Chastity, number 6. We have Chaos Holiday Special, 2014. <laughs> Jennifer Blood, Born Again, number 5. Um, we've got New Vampirella, number 7. Shadow, Midnight in Moscow, number 6. Uh, Shaft number one. Yeah. <laughs> waka, 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 waka. <laughs> six million dollar man season six number five is out, and Twilight Zone number ten is also out. Let's see here. IDW very small week for them. Really, the only ongoing they have coming out is X Files season ten <gasps> number nineteen. Uh, more than me, CI. Yeah, more than me, CI. <laughs> From Image Comics, we've got sixty-eight Homefront number four, Birthright number three, Chew Ooh. number forty-five. Five Ghosts, number 14. God Hates Astronauts, number four. Humans, number two. Uh, just the Tips, hardcover, yeah. which is just the letters from Sex Criminals. Oh, I pre-ordered. That's going on my coffee oh, yeah? table. Yeah. <laughs> um, low, number five. Nailbiter, number eight. We've got, let's see here. Spawn, number 249. Tech Jacket, number six. Tooth and Claw, number two. Um, and that's it for Image. From Marvel, we've got uh, All New X Factor, number 17. Angela, Asgard's Assassin, number one. Nice. Axis Revolutions, number three. Um, Captain America, Peggy Carter, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., number one. It's a one-shot. Is it reprints of reprints. all stories? Reprints from all the way back into Tales of Suspense. That's yep. still cool, though. <coughs> um, Deadpool, number 38. Let's see. Lots of Death of Wolverine second and third printings. Death of Wolverine, the Weapon X program, number three of five. Guardians 3000, number three. Hulk, number nine. Inhuman, number nine. Um, Iron Fist, the Living Weapon, number seven. Legendary Star-Lord, number six. Men of Wrath by Jason Aaron, number three. We've got uh, Thanos, a god up there listening. Hardcover. (laughs) Um, Thanos versus Hulk, number one. We've got, um, oh, well, this is pretty cool. Young Avengers by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Omnibus is out. It's hardcover. Big one. Big boy. Dear boy. God, it's me. Are you there? Thanos. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thanos, are you there? <laughs> uh, Oni Press. We've got Six Gun number 45 from Titan Comics, Doctor Who, the 11th Doctor, number five. From Valiant Comics, we've got Eternal Warrior, Days of Steel, number two. Uh, Rye, number five, and Valiant Size, Quantum, and Woody, number one. Hmm. And that is all the books that are fit to print uh, <laughs> this week. So, interesting week. I'm going to spend a lot of my time in the next couple weeks catching up on stuff we talked about today, though. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel like some books are going to fall by the, the wayside. If you guys want to get in touch with us and let us know, if you guys didn't respond yet, what books you want to see nominated, podcast at talkingcombooks.com is Probably the best way to get in touch with us that way because it's going to be a more long-form thing. But also, there's a post on the forums. 
you know it it's it's there people are responding to it add your add your name to it join the forums and start uh talking with everybody uh at talking comics on twitter and facebook.com slash talking comics is the facebook address uh we have a bevy of content on the site um bevy bevy i like that. reviews <laughs> columns um and and a, and a ton of podcasts we've got the Misfits with Stephanie Cook, Mara Wood, and Melissa Megan. Mm-hmm. Um, they just recently did a discussion about Kill Bill with Joe Keating. Yes. So check that out. Mm. Um, talking Movies with uh, Brian Verderosa and Chris Oliphant will be back, but it's right now that uh, Cinematic Nick is is joining him, Nick Scalia. Um, so check out, they just did a David, little David Lynch marathon. And update on that, I watched Blue Velvet the day after Thanksgiving, just like I said uh, I would. And? It was really crazy. <laughs> yes, but really good. <laughs> but really good. Um, we've also got Talking Valiant w- with Adam Shaw. Make sure you check that out as well if you're a big Valiant fan. Big Valiant stuff coming up soon. The release of The Valiant is coming. Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, Pablo Rivera. So Ooh. some big stuff coming from them. Mm-hmm. And Talking Games featuring our own Steve Say. Steve, who is the... Uh, Who's the host this week and what's the topic? Justin Townsend is this week's host. And uh, we're going to be catching up with, again, catching up with all of the games. This is a great thing about having a podcast. You could stretch topics out for a few weeks. Everybody's all over the map games-wise. And we'll also be taking a couple listener questions, including stuff that has to do with what is your biggest trade-in regret and if you had to choose AAA games or independence for the rest of your life. Which would you choose? Ooh. All right. Asking the tough questions on the very games. T- the very tough questions. Just the tips. So check that out um, <laughs> on uh, Thursday at noon. Um, now, every morning I sit around my kitchen table and just talk to myself. Does that count as a podcast? Absolutely, yes. Okay, good. Yes, yeah, yeah. You can listen to it on the I need to loan Bob my Zoom recorder. You can be part of the premium content. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my early morning pre-coffee rants. I'm sure people would love it. Get off my lawn, you kids. If you guys want to hear those pre-coffee rants in, ri- in written form. Bailey's with Bob. Yeah, Bailey's with Bob. Let us know. Or email him at, what's your email address, Bob? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Uh, if you get in touch with me, I'm at, talk- at TalkingComics. I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. <laughs> Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter. And I just want to thank again all of our, our listeners and, and readers for, for chiming in and all of our contributors, both new and old, for helping us out. Um, you guys are keeping the site going, and we really, really appreciate it. Um, before we go, does anybody have anything else they want to say? I do. What's up? Um, I'll say it, but I'm pretty sure it goes for everyone here. Uh, the responses from our Thanksgiving uh, What We're Thankful For podcast mm. were tremendous. Uh, so many people came out, whether you had been saying stuff before, you came out of the woodwork or you came out for the first time, uh, so many tweets and, and nice posts and, and, you know, really, really amazing things, uh, were said and and responses from that podcast. And, uh, you know, we just want to thank you guys for, you know, letting us have our moment to, to kind of, you know, say what we're thankful for and for joining us. Um, you know, we're very thankful to have that kind of, back and forth relationship with all of you and uh you know hope just keep making it stronger as time goes on absolutely absolutely bob do you have one more thing ditto ditto okay (laughs) (laughs) so that's gonna do it for the talking comics podcast for this week for steve in five months time runs out (laughs) I I, i can't follow that 
Bob. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> Said I do it. <laughs> I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued.